heresy, and betrayal. These are the words being used to describe the treachery of the War Master Horus and his three brothers, Materian, Fulgrim, and Angron, against the innocent hive world of Estvan III. Once a flourishing planet, now a wasteland, desolate and lifeless after the Emperor's favored son unleashed the Imperium's greatest weapon, the deadly Life Eater Virus. However, all is not lost. Some valiant legionnaires survived the onslaught thanks to quick thinking and a timely warning. Hidden deep within a bunker under the Coral City, these legionnaires broadcast the truth across the galaxy. Forever hunted, they have vowed to broadcast as long as possible and remain free. Radio Free Istvan. Hey, what's going on out there, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Radio Free Istvan, broadcasting live out of Victoria, Texas, great old South Texas. Uh, it's your host, Chris, along with my great co-host. Michael, what's going on, guys? Glad to be back. Glad to be touching y'all through your ears over the interwebs. It's almost like we're the Q-tip of 30K podcasts. Yeah, we're like, we're in there. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's been other podcasts in these ears, like, but we're not judging. Like, we, I get it. You've yeah, been you've been with other podcasts. It's okay. Yeah, we're, we're adults about it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we understand. At this point in our life, we understand. If not you, the, fir- not you the could, first time. You could listen to other podcasts at the same time as us. We'd be all right with it. You know, we might be into it. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, just just bring it up, float it out there. See uh, see what we're into. I think right. we're, I think we're at that stage in our relationship where. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we probably got some new listener going. What the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> Never mind. Shut it down. <laughs> yeah, just just turn it off. Honey, what are you listening to in there? <laughs> Uh, so what's going on, Chris? Dude, what what are you up to, man? Oh man, well, just uh, had a great Cinco de Mayo. I was off today, so uh, uh, weather was beautiful here in South Texas. Got some yard work done. I uh, did not quite finish the yard work, so before I go to work tomorrow, I got to work on that a little bit. But I uh, did that. Uh, been uh, watching House of Cards on season three there, and uh, burning my way through that. Uh, loving that show. I cannot believe that I the my first foray into it. I guess two years ago when it came out, I stopped. Mm. Um, now looking back, I'm like, oh, how stupid was I? I could have been like enjoying this show from the start. Um, but yeah, it's 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 going great. So I'm I'm watching that. I kind of binge watched three eps today. And uh, other than that, man, cooked, uh, cooked some fajitas on the grill in honor of Cinco de Mayo. I did not have a taco bowl like uh, Donald Trump did. So. I don't know, did you see that on the on, on the internet today? Dude, I'm not gonna lie, I did see it, and did I think it was racist? Yeah, it was a little racist because like he's like you know Hispanics love taco bowls, but <laughs> like you got you, like I was kind of like a little offended until I saw the taco bowl, and I was like, man, that looks good as shit. Like that's like <laughs> hands down probably the best looking taco bowl, like taco salad taco bowl I've ever seen in my life. Like I. What? Yeah, it, the, the first thing I thought was like, that's a taco salad. Who calls it a taco bowl? But, you know. Did, did you look at his bowl? The bowl was ta- a taco. Like it was. <laughs> no, I looked at it. Trust me, I blew that thing up on the big screen. I was like, okay, let me check this out. What's he doing here? That's my new screensaver, man. Just that taco bowl, man. <laughs> he had all the trimmings on it. It looked, it looked great. Yeah, he, he looked like he was enjoying it. So, uh, yeah, that just cracked me up. My wife and I had a, had a whole conversation about that tonight when she got home from work and uh, – just, uh, I know we're not a political show, so I'm not going to get into the whole Donald Trump thing, but it just cracked me up. Just his whole, uh, you know, Hispanics love taco bowls. I thought it was, was just hilarious, offensive and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Dude, what's funny is like, just like speaking of, 
Michael Dobbs, the creator of House of Cards. Yeah. Uh, he said like today that Trump is winning because people are fed up. Like, like he's like he's coming out publicly and like talking. I was like, is it like you you talked about House of Cards and you went to Trump. I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not see that from Michael Dobbs. That's interesting. I'm actually yeah. looking that up right now. Yeah, that happened a little bit earlier while I, while I was uh, at work. It's pretty nuts. That is crazy. I was gonna say something like, when, uh, I know when I watched House of Cards, my uh, like my interior voice that like for a good while, probably like one or two weeks, was Kevin Spacey's voice. I don't, does that happen to you? Like, I, I no, feel... no. I, I, it hasn't happened to me. But if I had to pick an interior voice, that wouldn't be a bad one. Yeah, like every time, like I think something like sinister or like I plan something, it was like in Kevin Spacey's voice, and you know, it's kind of like, what is happening? Like, why do I keep like why do I keep saying anything with this like southern draw? Like what? But you know. That's, I don't know. If, if I could pick, though, I think my interior voice would uh, be Morgan Freeman every time. Yeah, I don't know. Kevin Kevin Spacey or James Spader? Uh, James Spader's a good one, too. Yeah. Morgan I Freeman, I just, you know, I, I feel like everything I did was, like, way too important. You know? Well, so if you just look at it like everything you do is way too important, you'll be all right. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess that's how I should look at things. Yeah, it's all your it's all your frame of mind. It's all your frame of reference. But uh, I, I don't know. In my, in my mind, the, the Morgan Freeman from uh, Shawshank Redemption. That's how I want mine to be. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. I can't even. I'm, I'm terrible with voices, as we all know. So I'm not even going to try to do it. Yeah. Every time I watch that movie, it's like that's my interior voice as well. For like a day. <laughs> I don't know. My my interior voice changes every time I like watch a movie or hang out with somebody. Like my little inside voice like switches up. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You know? Hey. Hey, it's life. It's yeah. A little little tidbit of what, what it's like inside my head. <laughs> hey, don't don't get to peek in there too often. So listeners, uh, enjoy this moment. Yeah. So that's what's up, dude. You spent Cinco de Mayo yeah, doing man. yard work. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, I guess there's a joke there too, possibly. So <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah i did yard work uh, my wife came home we went to heb and uh got uh we weren't even sure what we were doing for dinner tonight and i was like oh let's do fajitas so picked up fajitas and all the trimmings and came home and threw it on the grill and sat on the patio while that grilled up uh yeah it's uh, a day of no hobbying though i told him i saw myself last night i was like well i'm trying to get some hobbying done today and i got zippo done today but this week has been uh well i'll talk about that when we get the hobby progress man that was your day again what, you, you have to work today yeah i totally had to work today my day was mostly spent like it was like a real busy day of like actually work work mm-hmm. but i told one guy what cinco de mayo actually was like you know because you can ask anybody and be like oh it's mexican independence it's like nah bro like it's not it's not at all like it's yeah. uh like i i had to explain so I explained to one person that, you know, it's basically like Mexico and a shitload of money to mm-hmm. the Europeans. And then so like Napoleon was like, I'll go get our money back and like rolled over here to Mexico like a like a loan shark. And <laughs> it was this huge deal. Like he, he tried to put in a monarchy in Mexico 
and they shook that off somehow and they had like this major victory against the French. Like it was this whole thing. Like they, they were independent for like 50 years before that happened. So like it didn't, I don't know, but I explained that to like one person, like in like ridiculous detail at work. Mm -hmm. And then like, he kept bringing people like to me. It's like, Hey, Hey, tell them, tell them about like, (laughs) you you became the secret of my expert. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, okay, let me, let me explain to you what Cinco de Mayo really means. Uh, like put a put a quarter in. I, I kind of picture it like, uh, you know, Ray Liotta from uh, Goodfellas. You know, <laughs> your house burned down. Fuck you. Pay me. I kind of kind of see that's how it goes down in my mind. Yeah, I put a little a little uh, ravioli can out. I was empty and washed out and put it on my desk. <laughs> so put money in the put money in the can, please. Oh, that's hilarious, man. Yeah, I did not have any chance to... Well, I didn't really see anybody all day. It was just me and the dogs at the house. So, yeah, very little Cinco de Mayo talk until my wife got home. Did you put little sombreros on your dog with your fajitas? (laughs) So, there is a picture that my wife shared uh, through the dog rescue page, and it might have been on her personal page, too, but our Boston Terrier is wearing a uh, sombrero. Of course he is. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he is pretty. Yeah, it's a uh, she. She well, and, and yeah, we we joke. She she's our our hospice foster, so she's got a, a heart issue. So she'll be with us all. She's with us, and uh, but she's the most chill dog. Like you can put anything on her. Like if you want, like hey, what dog do we need to wear something? That's a dog you pick. Do you run so. into that problem a lot? Like is that like <laughs> hey, we need we need a dog to model this? <laughs> well, when, okay. So my wife is heavily involved in, in dog rescue. Uh, through a group called uh, Short Mugs Rescue Squad in Houston. And believe it or not, there is a lot of opportunity for dogs to wear things because they do uh, just as far as ad campaigns and different things uh, to make the dogs like cute or to have a theme. Sometimes they'll put hats or sweaters or whatever on them. And uh, and I'm not going to lie, all of our, both of our Frenchies, the Yorkie and the, the Boston each have sweaters. I think one of the Frenchies has a jacket. So they're 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 covered. They got they got their seasons covered. <laughs> I've even got a we even got life vests for both the Frenchies. <laughs> well, that makes sense because those dogs drown like nothing. Yeah, they they can't they can't swim for shit. And we actually went uh, about a year ago. One of the rescue events was a pool party at this place in Houston. So, yeah, that's that's actually what prompted the, the purchasing of. Did did any vests. anybody show up with like their bulldog without a without a life vest and y'all judge them immediately? Like, what the you trying to kill this dog? Dude, I, yeah, there was a couple of people that did. Now, not all the dogs got in the pool, and the pool was um, at its deepest, maybe three feet, so you could like wait in there and grab a dog if you needed to. Um, and in fact, when whenever I took Izzy, our youngest Frenchie, in there, because she'd never been in water outside of the bathtub. Uh, took her in there with the life vest on. I just waited, waited out into the pool and plopped her down. And uh, she did not like being in a pool, so she quickly swam to the side and got out. And that was that was the end of her pool experience. But yeah, there was a dude there with an English that uh, that, that dog swam just fine. And, I, and I'm those of you listening, if you've got an English bulldog, a Frenchie, or anything like that, uh, <laughs> nine out of ten of them do not swim worth a shit. So please use a life vest. Do not take this one guy as an example, 
but yeah, he had said he had a pool at home and his dog had been swimming like that since he was a puppy. And I was like, oh, okay. That's so, incredible. Yeah, but that's that's spawned a whole, my wife and I have had a whole, uh, multiple conversations because uh, at some point in the next couple of years, we'll probably look at either building or buying, buying a larger home. And one of my prerequisites is I want a pool. I grew up with a pool. I, I want a pool in the next house we get. And she does not want one. And the main reason is, you know, she's afraid for the dogs. And it's like, well, you know, I'm secure. And that'll be fine. That's but, nuts. Yeah. Just uh, one of those things you got to think of when you're, when you're Frenchy people. When you're, when you're waist deep in Frenchies. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I've got an English bulldog puppy that's climbing all over my lap right now. So if you guys hear noise, he's uh, trying to bite in my hand and, he wants me to lean down so he can lift my face, but I'm not giving into that right now. <laughs> not, not that I'm telling y'all anyway. Yeah, so it might be happening. I'll just want to know if it's radio. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's my short aside on a life with dogs. Make sure, make sure you spread it out. Spread the word, people. If you got a, any sort of short-snouted dog, put a life vest on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually okay. Yeah, here's my my dog nerd. It's actually the broad chest. Oh, that, uh, that makes it difficult for them to swim. They're weighted. The way the dog's weight distribution is, their chest is broad and deep, and so they're heavier at the front end, and it makes it hard for them to balance. Isn't the right word, but it, it makes it hard for them to swim in the right position, like a, a normal dog. Or, so, so like the, their ass floats up, or what? Uh, yeah, that's that's. That's part of it. Yeah, they're, they sink in the front. Is that what you're, yeah? Yeah, their front, their front, their front end sinks. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Poor dogs. Yeah. They're, well, I mean, they're not. They're not. They're not retrievers. They're not made to, to be getting on the water anyway. <laughs> so, but yeah, plenty, plenty of people have Frenchies and English and have pools and they do just fine. Just gotta watch out for them. Just like having kids, I guess. Yeah. Well, good, good dog PSA. I'm real, yeah. <laughs> real happy that, that that made it out there. Yeah, and that, that's uh, the other new listener is like, I didn't realize this was a dog podcast. <laughs> All right, I guess back to the 30K for you guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, man. So so what, what do you got going on with your hobby, man? Uh, man, I am rocking and rolling through these blood angels right now, dude. I'm like so happy with uh, where it's going. Like I've never... Like I'm, I'm looking at my Leviathans right now, and I'm just like, those are some good looking Leviathans. Like I'm, like I'm really happy with uh, the paint recipe that I got from Ryan. So, uh, like they're looking sexy. Like I, I keep taking pictures and posting them online. I'm pretty sure people are tired of them, but uh, like the pictures don't do the edge highlighting justice. Like, uh, I, the recipe was a, a, a base coat of. Uh, corn red then it was hit over like airbrushed corn red i, I use the new uh, citadel air oh, and okay. so like that stuff is legit like i i, I used a f- I, like on my old uh warhound i used a ferrari red from vallejo right and i had such a problem with like pooling and like the it being like real watery <clears throat> but the pigments are like so strong and it's like this base coat for corn red and mephestin red and all that stuff that it just like you, you can do one pass and like as like you're gonna get coverage. It was, it's so it's so legit. Oh nice. And so like the recipe is hit them up with corn red, then 
hit him up with like Mephiston red, kind of like a Zenithal effect, like uh, leave the dark area still like dark with the corn red inside of him. And then it uses Vallejo bloody red, which is not an air paint, but it's like, it's like dusting it on, just like barely getting it on there. And then I go in with Nolan oil, hit up all the recesses and then like everything that's like kind of like recessed or like a crack or anything like that. I hit it with Nolan oil, like really, like it takes forever to do it. Uh-huh. And then I go back and I highlight the edge highlight with the, uh, with the bloody red. And like, basically Ryan, like can't like, I don't know if he, I think he came up with the recipe, but he's, he did his blood angels like that. And like when, when you have a, like a roadmap to get somewhere and like, so when it tells you what to do, it makes things like so much easier. Like you, you, it's like a time tested method. So you just like, like I basically just like jumped in, did exactly what he said, and like it, they've just come out so good. And like I'm so happy with them, the way they look. Like I think some of like the best models I've ever painted. And, um, so like right now, uh, like I've been painting them all week. Like you know when you learn a new technique and you're like really excited to come home and like right paint it. Like that's how I felt. Like I felt like a a guy with like a new girlfriend. Like I was just like ready to come home and just paint my models. Like that's, that's exactly like I, right now. I, they need bases. Like I need a, they got some secret weapon bases for my Furiosos. So I got, I got two Levi, like my list that I'm painting up right now. I made a 2000 point list. It's uh two Furiosos. I'm sorry, two Legion dreadnoughts, which are modeled as Furiosos. So they got the twin close combat weapon. And then uh, I have two Quartus Dreadnoughts, which also have twin close combat weapons. And then I have uh, two Leviathans. One has uh, one's a Death Blossom, so it's got the twin Storm Cannons. And the other one has the Siege Claw and the Grab Bombard. So I painted up a Legion Dreadnought already, uh, and I got some really badass uh, Secret Weapon miniature bases for him and his brother. Uh, but Secret Weapons doesn't make the 70 millimeter yet for the yeah. Leviathans. And they don't make the 60 for the contemptor. So, like, I gotta, like, I gotta kind of figure out how I'm gonna match the style of the, it's like, it's like a rubble thing. So it looks like a bunch of, it looks like I get away with, like, some, some dirt and some chopped up sprues. Right. But I haven't taken the time to do that. So. Yeah, that's one of the things I noticed. Uh, I've got a couple of contemptors for my word bearers, and my bases also are. Uh, actually, it's a mix. I've got a set. Well, let me back up. I got a set for my Ashen Circle from Secret Weapon, and then the other set was from Wargamma. And I was actually going to mention you might look and see if Wargamma has that size because some of his stuff, especially when you're looking at rubble, it looks pretty close to some of the Secret Weapon stuff. I might have to do that. Yeah, Wargamma. Uh, great shot, man. My, I got the bases, the bulk of the bases uh, for my word bearers from him. Uh, right after the first of the year and super cool dude uh mr dandy a super cool dude to deal with and uh yeah uh, definitely check him out if you get a chance that's sweet i'll check him out dude like i'm super excited to get this army on the table like i i keep like my list i i keep telling myself like man it's gonna be like real fun to play this list i'm, I'm super excited to like see how it plays but uh like I'm on that like that weird edge where like it's like you know what I don't have to have it painted I could proxy some things or I could do this and like and like I'm forcing myself not to go test it out right so like it's like it motivates me to paint more it's like ah, I could test it like 
It's like, no, no, you have to finish this army. <laughs> paint this army has to be a hundred percent painted before you put it on that table. So like Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it, man. That's one of the things I know I'm super guilty of is I get real excited. I get a new model or new models and I say, like, Oh, I'll put them together and I'll prime them and then let me just try them out. And that it's much better. If you can approach it like that, that's kind of what I'm well, I haven't had time to get a game in, but that's kind of my other thought too. Is uh, I'm going to try not to put in a game with some of these other units until I get them painted. Yeah, it's real difficult, man. Like it's because uh, like it, it's weird. Like I've noticed whenever like I I buy something, or you know something's on the way to me, uh, I'll keep going to like Forge World and I'll keep looking at the picture and like keep mm-hmm. looking and like I'll go look up YouTube videos of like somebody unboxing theirs. It's like, oh yeah, dude, I can't wait. Like I got some, I got some outriders on the way. Like that's that's what they look like. Look at them. Like I'm yeah. ready for. And then so like with my list, it's like my list is made. I made my list. I bought my models for the list, and so like I just gotta assemble these particular models and like get them done. And I keep remaking the list. Like the points are gonna somehow change overnight or something like that. And mm-hmm. like I just I, I don't know. It's like it's like a kid at Christmas. Like I keep like wanting to play the list and like get it out there, just because like I'm super excited to see like what six dreadnoughts will do like you know just oh, it's like gonna be, it's gonna be ugly i can already tell you what's gonna do yeah i don't think it'll do too well against like orbital assault lists or anything like that but you know I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to playing some like some iron warriors or something you know just Ooh. getting faces yeah and so yeah. and then i found out that the uh, leviathan dreadnoughts have a uh, twin like i totally jacked up my list immediately because i thought that leviathans had a uh twin linked heavy flamer yeah and it is a it's two flamer two heavy it's flamers a dual a dual flamer actually. yeah yeah so like when you it, for those of y'all that don't know i'm a play, i'm running blood angels and so i was gonna do the assault cannon titties on the leviathan dreadnought well you know this is actually going to be two assault cannons instead of one twin linked assault cannon so like mm-hmm. uh, i'm running the death blossom which is a twin storm cannon so that's 12 shots right there and then plus eight more shots so he's dishing out 20 shots of just death it's gonna be sweet oh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly but I, i'm really curious to see it on the table i want to see how it runs because uh, you talked quite a bit about the list and what you want to put in it and uh, it sounds really cool i think it's going to be pretty brutal on the tabletop yeah, I don't. I don't think it's gonna be real competitive. I mean, maybe with a new FAQ, we'll go in that later. But I think they got it got a little bit better. But yeah. uh, there is some like, I think it's just gonna be fun to play. Like, it's all together. I think it's tw- twelve models on the table without the drop pods, without including the drop pods. I think the drop pods make it eighteen. But it's a super easy list to transport. Like I can, <laughs> I can put it in a single case that can go in the overhead. Like it's. It'll be sweet. I'm I'm super looking forward to. It. I'm I'm super excited about it. Like it's, uh, if if y'all want to talk about my list, man, like, come to our South Texas page and like come, tell me how much my list isn't gonna work or like how you would like fight it off. Cause I'm all I, I love talking about it. Like it's it's just gonna be stupid. Like I'm, like I don't even know fluff wise how it would work. Like I, <laughs> like that's that's another thing that's kind of weird about it, you know. And I. I guess just in general, just thinking about a uh, uh, how a Fury of the Ancients list would work in the first place, like is I don't know what Legion would just send all of their 
all of their dreadnoughts at somebody, but. Well, I, I think so. I don't know. As far as the fluff goes, um, I just finished rereading uh, Betrayer. Okay. And in Betrayer, there is a scene where um, one of the uh, world leader ships, it's Angron's flagship, uh, one of the, and I can't, I'm terrible remembering names of characters, uh, but one of the uh, world leader captains, he's basically in charge of ship defense. Well, he gets all sorts of um, hype to go down and fight in the battle on the planet. And everyone else goes, so he's like, oh, there's nothing for the ship to worry about up here. So he takes his complement of Marines that are meant to defend the ship, and he heads down there to, to fight. Or maybe it was, oh, maybe it was No No Fear. Crap, I may be getting the uh, the books mixed up. No, 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 it had to be Betrayer because it was, it was uh, World Leaders. So long story short, uh, the ship is actually, there's a boarding action attempted on it. And the ship's uh, captain is freaking out. She's like, oh, my gosh, all of our, our guys are gone. What am I going to do? Well, she goes and wakes up all of these old-ass dreadnoughts. And the leader of these dreadnoughts is actually a warhound. That's how old he is. Sweet. And he leads these dreadnoughts to defend the ship. You see, like, that seems like the classic, uh, like, that's like the out. Like, if you want a whole bunch of dreadnoughts in a in some sort of narrative – you make everybody leave and they're like the last defense. Like yeah. that, that's like pretty much the exact same storyline of uh, uh battle of the Fang. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. like everybody's gone. Let's, let's wake up the old people. Like, like, <laughs> like if a, if a, like a town and everybody's gone from the town, except the nursing home, like we got to wake up everybody in the nursing home, all the world war two vets. We got to give them ARs and shit. Let's, like, oh, it's, it's kind of, what was that? Uh, Oh my God! What Bubba Hotel? Did you ever see that movie? No. It was um. Oh gosh, what's his name from Evil Dead? Uh, Bruce Campbell. Okay. So long story short, Bruce Campbell is in a nursing home. He's he's an old guy who may or may not be Elvis. But there's the there's um, this. Sorry, he was trying to jump at the blinds for some reason. Uh, there's this mummy that is like terrorizing everybody and he has to lead the old people in the nursing home to like kill him. It's a movie from probably 10 years ago. Check it out. So basically the, the like every dreadnought story out there. Exactly. So that, that's the only reason I mentioned it. It is, uh, it's very, very much in, in line with what we were just talking about. <laughs> it's called Bubba Hota. Uh, Bubba, Bubba Hotep. Hotep. Okay. I like it came right up like there's no problem. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's a it's a pretty well known as far as Bruce Campbell movies go. Wow, seventy nine percent. It was, came out in two thousand three. Yeah, I was okay, a little older than. Oh. I'm thinking it's like an eighties movie, like nineties movie. It's got Bruce Campbell in it. No, it actually. So the guy that wrote this, because um, I believe this was based on a short story. Yeah, story by Joe Lansdale. So in 2003, I was living in Nacogdoches, and um, this guy Lance Moore ran Arkham Comics there in Nacogdoches, and Lance knew everybody. Well, Joe Lansdale has a house somewhere in East Texas, and he actually got Bruce Campbell to come to Arkham in uh, Nacogdoches right around the time this movie came out. 
just due to the Joe Lansdale connection. Wow. So, yeah. Unfortunately, I was out of town. I did not get to meet Bruce Campbell. I was a little irritated about that. You missed out. You missed yeah. out, man. I'm telling you. But yeah, so Bruce Campbell led the uh, led the dreadnought defense of the nursing home. Okay, so, so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna watch this movie. I'm gonna like I'm gonna have so many Bubba Hotep references in my in my dreadnought army. It's gonna be nonsense. <laughs> yeah, and actually, and I'm just uh, it's been years since I've seen this movie, but uh, the movie actually takes place in East Texas, also. Well, so I'm glad we had this conversation. <laughs> There are all kinds of new stuff. So yeah, so that that's kind of where I'm at because it always seems like when shit like they don't send dreadnoughts at people, like they don't send like a whole like a whole talon of dreadnoughts at anybody. Right. So like especially not in drop pods, like they always seem like they're the ones that got like pick up messes because some praetor, some legionnaire was just like excited to go attack somebody or attack something. So. Yeah, I, I got to come up with some narrative between if you if y'all if y'all guys are listening and you have like some narrative that would make sense that I could like just like put on a little a little card to hand people whenever I played them. It's like today this happened. I would love it because I'm kind of I'm kind of drawing a blank why they wouldn't send a legion. Why they'd only send a, their their uh, <laughs> I don't I guess they're they're elderly. So it's like I don't know, I ever think of it like the dirty dozen of uh, 30k. It's like these these are the badasses and unfortunately they're all dead and entombed and dreadnought chassis, but we're sending them for one final mission. Hey, what about murder? Was there any dreadnoughts on murder? Mm, not that I recall. What happened to like why didn't they send dreadnoughts in? That seems like those mega arachnids wouldn't have been able to do shit against like a a fully operational contemptor. Yeah, you would think so, but also the uh, the Emperor's children, it was all about you know, they didn't want to lose face. You know, like, oh, we'll take care of this. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. No, 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 we're going to take care of this. We got this. Maybe maybe the Sons of Horus, maybe that's how they got the advantage. They had, like, just contemptors catching megarachnids and then just, like, one at a time ripping them in half. Yeah. Just poop. Rip. Poop. <laughs> so, no problems. Yeah, yeah, they're still coming. They're still coming. Yeah, they're fucking weak-ass blades. Yeah, they'll cut your limbs off, but they're not going through this armored ceramite. Catch. Rip. <laughs> They just had like a like a shield wall, like a Spartan shield wall. Yeah, it could have happened. I don't know, but so anyway, so yeah, that's what I've been working on: Blood Angels, uh, Blood Angels Dreadnought Army with a shitload of assault cannons because they're Blood Angels. I mean, you knew it was coming. Everybody out there that's yeah. listening, and I'm pretty sure everybody thinks like, oh, the cheese, the cheese. You know, well, you know, somebody had to do it. At least, at least it was me. You know it's in good hands. <laughs> so, so, what about you, man? Where were you at? Where are you at post adeptic uh, uh, post Well, this week uh, I put together a couple of a uh, couple of apothecaries. Um, my plan was to have two available uh, for my word bearers force, uh, just depending on on how I listed them out. So I put those together. I haven't put paint on them yet, but I got them assembled the other night. I've uh, been working a little bit on uh, details on the guns for all my tactical veterans. Um, and then after that, I'll move on to details, Finish try to finish details on the Galvor Bach. Uh, other than that, man, there hasn't been a lot of hobby this week. Um, it's been kind of a slow week for hobby. It's been a busy week at work. So 
I've, I've worked this week. I've actually got four late nights at work, which is highly unusual, but that's kind of thrown a wrench and, and my normal routine. So once we get, get past this week and, and middle of next week, everything will be back to normal and hopefully get to moving again. Cause you know, just what you're saying earlier about you know, having things fully painted uh, before I play again, I want to have my ash and circle painted uh, so I can feel them. I haven't had a chance to feel them yet. So that's, that's my next kind of big, I've got, five base coated and then 15 are primed so i've got a lot of work to do on those dude, you're, you're pretty much there dude like you're, you're, pra- you're practically there <laughs> yeah just uh I, I need to get into that get back into that one hour per night so like you're talking about you're painting up apothecaries right now like is that going into your newest list because like wh- where did you see apothecaries run where you're like oh i need that i need that fmp well actually i i I'm a big fan of apothecaries anyway. I like the models and they're very, uh, as far as 30 K legions go very thematic for pretty much any legion. I mean, there's always apothecaries. Uh, but one of my plans is in a larger point game to run an apothecary, um, with, uh, with the, the tactical veteran squads. Oh really? So give yeah, give them a little bit of extra, extra safety net, so to speak. Um, how how you how you running those tech vets? Like I I didn't even know that you you ran vets. Yeah, actually, I took them to uh, to Adepticon. I had a uh, one squad of uh, ten tactical veterans. I had a plasma gun and a melted gun in the squad with tank hunter. Oh okay, dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and originally I, I done it like that because, uh, the original form that the list took, I did not have much in the way of anti-tank. That was before I ordered the Venator. So I was trying to figure out like, what's the best way to get anti-tank. And then once I got the Venator, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to keep them like this, uh, because they, they're coming in via, uh, via drop pod. Right. Um, so, I can I can put them wherever I need them on the table. Uh, so having that tank cutter is still going to be useful for them, and having the, the melted gun, you know, hopefully it's still going to be useful. So well, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, my eventual goal is to do um, a couple of big squads of just regular tactical marines because that's very fluffy for word bearers. Just that weight of fire on the field. Uh, that'd be for you know 2,500 to 3,000 point games. Um, so when I do that, the apothecaries will actually go into those, those big tax squads. For real. Yeah. So that's uh, a little bit longer term. I need to order some more, uh, some more Marines before I get that. Uh, Cause I've, I've got enough Mark fours to do, uh, I could do up a one twenty man squad of tactical Marines right now, but, um, I haven't decided if I want to do them all Mark Four or how that squad's going to look. So that's why I really haven't made made any real progress. Gotcha. Uh, and then I've been after we uh, interviewed uh, Matt from Pop Goes the Monkey. Um, I really hadn't thought about using Cataphracti in my list or doing anything with them for the word bearers. But after the pad that he created for the, the Cataphracti shoulder pad, now I'm super psyched about it, dude. So. Like I'm running an all dreadnought list, right? I like my list has been made since this like since this list has been envisioned. Mm-hmm. Nowhere did I ever think that I was gonna be running cataphracti terminators at all. 
and I ordered a set of those Blood Angels cataphractic shoulder pads from Pop Goes the Monkey today. Like, yeah. I was like, you know what? Like, if you like the model, you just got to buy it sometimes. And I totally just like drop drop the cash down. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna do it because <laughs> they're so sweet. They're so sick. Like, all, for those of y'all listening out there, Pop Goes the Monkey is the guy that uh, goes through sh- like he has Shapeways 3D printed uh, shoulder pads. They're sick. They're like they're hot. I mean, they're like some nice shoulder pads. And uh, I ordered those ones that are like the the Blood Angel shoulder pads with the the wings on both sides. You know. Right, like it, like it. It's so weird because if you look at them, it looks like there's like wings draped on both sides of the shoulder pad, but it, it's actually the Blood Angel symbol with a bunch of wings on it, and it looks so good, dude. Like I'm so excited for it. Like, oh. yeah, he's he's done a great job. I know Forge Worlds had, they've got their own shoulder pads coming out for that, but um, he kind of got ahead of the game on that, and he's got every Legion represented. Uh, whereas Forge World doesn't at this point. And the stuff that he doesn't have, I know he's able to to create. I know when we had him on the webcast, he created those Warbearer Cafractite pads right there while we watched. That was sweet. Yeah, so there's somebody that's interested in that. Uh, definitely check him out. I mean, you've got a, a wide range of options. And it's if you haven't thought about doing that before, it's definitely worth checking out. And he's a super cool guy. And he'll yeah. take custom orders too. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He's a. Uh, like I said I, you can't go wrong. I'm, I'm pretty pretty pleased. I'm, I'm glad we met him. Um, like I said, but it's it's got me excited for for Cataphract. I haven't figured out the loadout or what exactly I'm going to do with them yet. But it's just it's another element to to the army that that I'm going to start trying to fiddle with. That's sweet. Yep. Yeah. I have no idea what I'll be doing with them either. <laughs> yeah. But I uh, gotta have part part of me is like, I want a couple with lighting claws. I just like that look. Um, I know it's not the best weapon out there, but it just looks cool. They'll just they're just gonna be like my like you know how you have some of those armies that are just there for show. Yeah, that's what they'll be. Yeah, and, and that may be it. You roll them out every once in a while, or um, you know, roll them out in some mortalis or something like that. But you know, the thing with uh, the thing with word bearers though is. I really like the Galvor Bach. I really like the models. I really like their abilities. And they're kind of a better Terminator. So, and they're still fluffy. So you can use them. You're getting them a little bit more bang for your buck, in my opinion. And you're still able to stay fluffy. So that's kind of why I hadn't really looked at Terminators uh, for this group in the past. I so, gotcha. Yeah. Eh, we'll see. They're, the, a, they're the better Terminator. <laughs> you yeah, already got, I don't know. Oh yeah, you get two wounds there with the the sergeant basically has three wounds. Um, that's just scratching the surface of that. But the only thing is their saves are nowhere near as good. But you know when you've got high toughness and good wounds, you can kind of live through some of that. Yeah, I played uh, I played against Galvor Bach in uh, at Adepticon in the tournament, and they did not give a shit <laughs> about things shooting at them. They're they're so nah. so beefcake. It was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, go ahead. It's like, just take all your saves, have fun. Oh, and like, he like it was the last unit I needed to wipe my opponent off the table, and he like just hunkered down with him. And I was yeah. like, well, this isn't happening. There's nothing in this world can bring those down. And so, just had to, you know, 
just had to do just had to let him live and let him let his storm eagle come on but <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a great unit man it's i had great luck with him at adepticon and uh i'm, I'm like I said, i'm looking forward to, to playing with them trying to to mix it up a little bit um you know we played 2000 point games i'm looking forward to rolling them in a bigger point game uh just so i can take bigger squad sizes and stuff them into charybdis and stuff like that so um, like so the fact like summoning demons like doesn't appeal to you at all or it, it does well no honestly it doesn't let me back up it doesn't i've never been a, a fan of the psychic aspect of the game it just i mean i don't have anything against it it just didn't wasn't really something that piqued my interest yeah um i've got demons uh josh uh, kind of stumbled upon a great deal on a a ready-made i don't know how many points worth of demons i've got but i've got basically uh all the demons uh, yeah with the exception of i don't have any of the big ones but if you start looking at at the uh the hounds and the pink horrors and all that stuff i've got all that stuff now uh it's all painted uh well it's about 75 percent painted there's i've got a couple of boxes of units that aren't put together and some that aren't painted yet but the rest of it's painted um so when i got that i was like oh well you know okay i might, I might fiddle with that because i've got zardu um and where you have to take uh with the word bearers you're kind of forced into taking that extra um that extra hq so take zardu and then take a chaplain to give you and then give him the burning lore to give you some more psychic dice. So, so I started fiddling, like, how, how is this going to work? Uh, but I didn't play to the Depticon because I, I wasn't really comfortable playing it. I was, so I said, no, nah, I'll wait till I get home and have some time to get with, get with you guys and, and just kind of sort out a friendly game and see how it runs. So, yeah, it's, it's out there. It's something that I'll do at some point. But uh, I haven't gone. Uh, there's some, some players that go whole hog into it with the summoning piece. Do for real. Like, buy all the buy the samus model and mm-hmm. fucking just go at it like that's i don't know when i think word bears like that's what i think but then you know they they, they fool you like they, they're like yeah man demons oh we also got these sick ass galvor bach over here <laughs> it's like oh well, shit well and, and they get the, so the galvor bach are demons so you're still getting your demon fix with them um but they're not, the, they're not free like, you don't get free demons like, yeah no exactly they're, yeah you're not you're not throwing down and like oh i'm gonna managed to get 500 more points worth of models on the table for free. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to torture you guys with it at some point in the near future. I look forward to it. I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy with the dreadnoughts. <laughs> yeah, well, it'd be de- my, my summon demons versus uh, versus the dreadnoughts. So, but yeah, we'll see. That's So, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Hobby-wise, it's, it's going to be a busy weekend at work, so I, honestly, I don't see much hobbying between now and the end of the week. Yeah, man, but at least we got plenty of time to work on whatever we need with, you know, you got a long time before you need to get those word bears up in action. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good thing. There's no there's no time crunch right now. Um, I've got I've got plans, things I want to do with them, and I'm definitely I, I'm putting my stake in the ground. I will take them back to Adepticon next year. So if you see me trying to start a new army like in December, just smack me or something. No, I love seeing new army, so I would never do that. <laughs> or, or encourage me to save that new army for something else. You know, don't don't try to rush it for a dev to God. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you! God damn you! <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. That's cool. So, yeah. I guess that's it for hobby progress, man. So, I guess we can talk about now what's on everybody's mind. And No, I mean, wait, somebody's got to touch base on it. Might as well be us, dude. Yep. The, uh, the new draft, the FAQ first draft. I'm yeah, guessing yeah. you've gone over it by now. Yeah, I've, I've looked at it. I'm sure most of our listener ha- listeners have. I do want to say one thing before we get started, though. You know, the key word on this, and I think something, just seeing the buzz that's going on online right now, the key word on this is it's, it's, it's a draft. It's not finished yet. So I see a lot of people, there's a lot of back and forth right now, uh, especially with events in the next 30 days. Uh, people are asking, you know, is this event going to use this draft? Or you know, is that event going to use this draft? And, you know, pretty much everybody that I've seen is staying away from it right now just because it's a draft. So I would just kind of encourage everyone to keep that in mind. Just small caveat, people. Small caveat. Just, just It's a draft. Hopefully we created enough comics and pictures and made fun of enough things to where they'll change some things but you know hey if not then you know can't, can't fix everything no we, we try we try but you know we, we're not that powerful yet yeah i guess we should touch base on some of the things that we think will cause the most change uh do you want to hit up the first one or do you want me to go uh go ahead you pick, pick which one you, you like the most all right, what about the uh, what about the melta bombs? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Ooh. grenades. I, I let's talk. You were let's, going just, there. let's just go with the heat first. <laughs> so the new the new grenade rule here is that uh, they only when when throwing a grenade in the assault phase, it used to be implied. I guess I mean this is how we've always played it. I've always seen everybody play it like that at any mm-hmm. event or anything like that. Uh, everybody in assault, everybody who has a grenade can trade their attacks, uh, for one grenade attack. And so, you know, uh, it gave solar auxilla a chance versus, you know, cybernetica. It gave, uh, it, it basically made assault troopers viable with all their melta bombs. They could take out, you know, Spartans and all this stuff. Well, now, uh, they clarified in the draft that, uh, the, the rule is stated that you can only throw it once per phase, and that is also one attack in the assault phase per unit. Mm-hmm. So, so how, how do you feel about that? I mean, that's a pretty big change, just meta-wise. That is completely changing unit loadouts. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Like, well, I, I, you know, one, uh, I will just say I don't like it. I, I see, you know, we've played it. Um, just as you said, in every event that I've been to the last couple of years, uh, every friendly game that I've played, um, you equip your unit, you spend X amount of points, you know, everybody has their melt bomb and that gives you, that gives that unit like the assault uh, troops, that viability against those hardened targets. So, you know, I, it's one of those things that just from a, really changing how you're looking at your list. I know it's it's caused me to to really step back and look, you know, some of the stuff I'm doing with the word bearers. Because one of the ideas I had in one of the bills was uh, running more assault troops. I, I think they're they're very fluffy, especially if you're running uh, Ash and Circle. Um, but part of that was having 
those melt bombs and being able to really bust out those melt bombs and be effective against those hardened targets. And I, I, I don't know. That's big, man. That's big. I can, I can see that's going to affect a lot of people's list. Yeah, for sure, man. That, I mean, that, that is such a huge deal changer for, you know, assault Marines or anything like that. Like the, they melt bombs were the answer. I mm-hmm. mean, even, you know, even looking at other armies like militia or, you know, and what's crazy to me is they get one attack, right? Right. So let's say that you're fighting a, let's say you got a 20 man blob that charges or gets charged by a Leviathan. Mm-hmm. All right. They all have crack grenades, so they can't use their, um, the special rule. Our weapons are useless. Right. Because there's a chance that, or I'm sorry, Leviathan would be too strong, uh, a contemptor. There's a chance that one of those grenades. So as soon as the uh, the contemptor kills the sergeant or whoever has the melt bomb, mm-hmm. you know, from then on out, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Are, are you going to take melt bombs from here on out? Will, will you be loading out a full unit of melt bombs? Well, yeah. And so just while we're sitting here talking, I I statted out. I just pulled up a Legion assault squad. I bumped it to 20 man because in one of my, my build ideas, and of course this is expensive, but you know, looking at a fluffy assault based word bears army, I was like, Oh, that would look pretty cool. Right. So I kitted that out, um, bumped it up to 19 regular dudes, one sergeant, and I gave all the regular dudes melt bombs. It's a hundred points. So it's 19 melt bombs. You give the sergeant, uh, a melt bomb. So it's five more points. So right now, without any other tweaks, you're looking at a 505-point unit, pretty beefy. Would I do that now if this rule sticks? Hell no. Okay. You know, sp- spending that many points, you know, would I still put them on a sergeant? And uh, pro- yeah, I'll say, yeah, I'd still give it to the sergeant just on the chance that he's going to get his, his, his ability, his time to throw it. But I'm not going to, to build a squad around the idea of they can take out a bit of those tough vehicles, at least not with an assault squad. Well, check this out. So now, because you cho- you're choosing not to take melt bombs on mm. that unit, if mm. they get hit by a Contemptor, okay, a Contemptor charges into that unit and decides it's just going to, you know, dig itself in. Right. Now you have one shot. You have your melt bomb on your sergeant, and he has maybe a power fist. I'm guessing power fist. Yeah. So he gets his, you know, Either he's going to use his power fist or he's going to use melt bomb. I'm guessing melt bomb for the first try, and yeah, then contemptor. Get that out of the way. Yeah, contemptor squishes him. Boom, first turn of combat. Well, now you think, okay, well we're going to lose combat every turn. You know this or that. Well, now you're stuck there forever. Mm-hmm. And it's you know there there is a rule. You know the our weapons are useless where they can just bounce. You know they right. have to, they have to leader, leadership test. I don't know. I've always, I've never done it, but now because you have the crack grenades that you come standard with, you're always going to have to do at least one. Like that's, that is a weapon that you could use. So you don't have the option of using our weapons are useless. So you, all you're going to get to do is one strength six attack against him every turn until you lose combat enough to where you run away and he probably sweeps you. Yeah. The chances are pretty good. So like now it's like okay well do do you want to leave that p- 
possibility of getting stuck in combat, or do you want to have at least a strength eight melt a bomb attack every turn? It, yeah, it's it's weird. It, it's it's such a like because you know we talked we talked about my blood angels dreadnoughts, man. We mm-hmm. talked about you know the army that I'm going to run, and I knew to fear melt a bomb units. I knew to fear assault squads. That I just understood that. Now, like, holy crap, they just got really good. Like, yes. they, I don't have to worry about these uh, these landmines everywhere of units with melt bombs. So, they did, it yeah. really seems like now there's not a lot of answers. Even, you know, even crack grenades were a scary a scary concept to think about versus a normal normal dreadnought. You know, it's, right. it's something you had to worry about. Now, I mean, I, I think I. I Personally, and then you know, talking with some of the other guys, I, I think it's a huge meta change if they keep that. You know, it's yeah, uh, I agree one hundred percent, man. And I, you know, I, you know, I'm not one of those big like conspiracy theorists that like says, oh, they just want to sell more, more tanks, so they want to sell this or that. But man, it's hard to argue that. It, it's it's hard to argue against why they did that, why they kept it like that, because it's been working. You know, it's, yeah, it's. You know, and I've seen some people say, well, the intent has been in the rules like this all along, and that, and that may be the case. And I'm with you. I, I I don't really subscribe to the theory of they're trying to, to boost sales of tanks and dreadnoughts and all that, but it could it, it could be out there as part of it. You can't totally discount it. Um, I don't know, though. It's it, The meta is going to change, and I think uh, this is one of the big pieces in this FAQ that if you see any long-term changes – with the way people are building and equipping their armies, this is going to be it. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be pretty pretty interesting to see the list changing up next year because I feel like there's going to be a lot more Venators and a lot more Valdors coming mm-hmm. coming to a table near you. Yeah. Well, and you know, then are you going to look at so instead of you know, and this is okay. So looking at it from this aspect. You know, let's say that I'm still wanting to build my fluffy assault themed list. You know, okay. is this going to keep me from doing it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it wouldn't. <laughs> uh, it'd be one of those things. So instead of okay, so here here's my here's probably where I'd find the middle ground. In that assault themed fluffy list, I'd instead of doing max squad size, I'd probably do min squad size. Um, and then look to see what other ways, what other things could I use that would still remain kind of true to that vision, but help offset the lack of those melted bombs on the assault squads. Hmm. So, and, and I don't have that answer yet. I haven't sat down and really, because they're saying like a a shitload of sergeants, like just, (laughs) just running like six assault squads. Minimum squad. So, okay. So if you take, and then I've already been working on, and I know we've talked before, I've already been working on uh, my Ashen Circle list. So I've got right now four minimum size squads of Ashen Circle. In the Ashen Circle, only the Iconoclast, which is basically the sergeant, can take a Meltabomb anyway. So, yeah, I mean, that could be a route to go if I run minimum squad sizes. Um, yeah, that's an option. Run some assault squads to back them up. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to look at it. 
but it's it's something I, I don't want to give. I don't I don't want to bend the vision or give up the vision for that type of list too much, just because it's the type of list I wanted to do for a while. It's but I'm going to have to find a way to to deal with what's on the table because while I love fluffy and I'm going to play fluffy, you know I don't want to lose every game I go to. Yeah, not not for an FAQ. Yeah, not yeah. not for. Yeah, it, it makes sense. So, oh, we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of tweaking, and you know, as we said, it's a draft. You know, maybe this is one of the things that changes, but I, I think this is one of the things that stays. That's that's going to be my call. I'm going to put a buck on it. I think this rule stays as is. Yeah, I definitely see that too. I look at my assault marines. I got 30 assault marines and 30 dark furies, and Everybody was like, well, what's your anti-tank? It's like, melto bombs, man. God dang. <laughs> yep. Now it's like, no, oh, never mind. Never, that army will never exist now. <laughs> not, not, not in the way that I envisioned it. Yeah. So, I guess we'll find out. But yeah, yeah, that's the first one, man. That's the first big change that hit, hit home. I'm sorry, all you Astra Militarum, Solar Ox, and Militia players out there who thought that they could fight cybernetica without a problem yes my cybernetica are gonna come back out of the closet (laughs) dude for real like everybody's is i can't wait to see how many friggin castle x are gonna be at adepticon next year i i I, seriously i think i've got 10 castle x total so they they may be seeing a resurgence i've been playing uh, order reductor for a while now but uh i could see those castle x coming back out and and being a thing again really yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> That's okay. I got my, my dreadnoughts to open them up. Exactly. You got you got a counter to it. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah. So anyway, what's the next yeah. one? You you got the next one. All right. So look at looking at the list here that we were talking about. Um, so I just mentioned playing Order Reductor. So I've been playing for the last year or so, maybe a little less. Um, in my Order Reductor, I run Medusas, and. Okay. So the FAQ blasts specifically hit all levels now. Yeah, but that was, I mean, we didn't play that too much different. But yeah, we, I mean, did, we didn't, but it was out, you did have, because I saw it, you did have people that, was, that would want to argue the point. And I, I think them clarifying it, I, I think is going to be nice for those that do play artillery on a, on a regular or semi-regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't know that before, you do that now. So, yeah, that that was a pretty that was a pretty that that one didn't surprise me too much. I was it was one of those ones. I was like, oh yeah, obviously. But, yeah, it's it's not yeah, like I said. It's not we we've been playing it. Our group has been cool with it for a while. But yeah, I've seen it on the forums. I've talked to people that that they run into it. The the whether it's confusion or disbelief or, or whatever you want to call it. So it's it's good to see them put it in print. That's that's what I was I was kind of happy to see just from a personal standpoint. I got but you. not not earth shattering. So let's see. So there's that one. So speaking of Medusas, uh, so now with blast, Skyfire blast can hit flyers. That's cool. So Medusas obviously aren't Skyfire, but right. there are some, there are some uh, secret objectives, hidden objectives that can give you Skyfire. There's mm-hmm. a way to give units Skyfire, and you would never have thought to give 
Skyfire to Medusa's. But now, if you could find a way to get some Medusa's, some Skyfire, throwing some 10-inch blast into the sky nope. like flack, man, that would be insane. That's... It's beautiful. And it's one of those things that I, I thought that the game needed for a while because, you know, you just mentioned flack. Um, I, I'm a World War II buff. I like reading about that stuff. I, I read a book recently uh, talking about the B-29 pilots and the bombing raids and what have you, but talking about the flack and those issues. And so I always wonder, like, well, why isn't this in the game? And now it is. Dude, like, flack is, like, I, I've... I watched a documentary on like flack and how it worked mm-hmm. and it is like so inaccurate. Like it's just, they kind of just have to guess, you know, the right. height and they have to like, there's a certain angle that they have to shoot it at. And that that's why, you know, if you ever see those old world war two movies or I'm not explaining this to you, I'm pretty sure you know this, but people out there like in the old world war two, like if you watch those movies, you see like just flack everywhere. Just do, 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 yes. do, do. And, uh, so what they would have to do is, you know, you never flew. If you flew in a straight line, you're dead because that means that they could calculate where you were going to be. So what they would do is they would duck and dive and they would fly in, you know, these weird evasive patterns. So where they couldn't designate where the flak was going to explode. Yeah. And that's so cool. But yeah. So, so now, you know, 30, you know, 28,000 years in the future, they figured out how to calculate which way you're going to swerve and all that. I guess that's where Jink comes in. Yeah, you, you still have your Jink. But, you know, there's one other thing I'm excited about for this. Is I'm, there's some flyers that have blast weapons. Like the Thunderhawk. I like the Thunderhawk, the Cestus Assault Ram. It has yes. a magma cannon or magma blast cannon. I can't think of the, the full correct name, but... Um, it's a multi melt blast, basically. That's that's brutal, dude. Essentially the best anti-flyer in the game at this point, it seems like. <laughs> Just, especially yeah. with the new Death from the Skies like rules out. Oh my gosh, it's going to be brutal to get intercepted before you're even on the table by a Cestus Assault Ram with a fucking 5-inch melt blast on you. Yeah, I can just see because I've ordered one for my word bearers and to go with my uh, my last of the serrated sun drop list because I was trying to figure out what flyer I wanted and I've always loved the Sistus Assault Ram just from a, the look of it. It's very very Warhammer to me, um, so I've got one coming. But yeah, now that now that I'll be able to shoot another well, okay, once it's official and uh, hopefully they don't change it, but. You know, should be able to shoot at other flyers because that, to me, that was the biggest weakness of the Cessna's assault round. You had to have something else on the table that was kind of going to protect it while it while it went to its target. Now it just protects itself. Yeah, no fucks. And it gives no fuck. It's like, oh, you want to fly that fire raptor over here near me? All right, yeah, take a magma melta to the face. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped about that, man. I think. Uh, you know, like you said, the Skyfire objectives. Uh, there's probably some other things out there if you listeners want to write in, if y'all have got uh, some other ways to give Skyfire. Um, I'm sure they're out there, and I'm sure we're, we'll see them start popping up in games. Have Basilisk just shooting Skyers out the sky, the Flyers <laughs> out the sky. <laughs> oh, God, just, you know, it, okay, so you mentioned Death from the Skies. And, and I'll admit, I'm, I'm not a huge... 
I'm not a proponent of adding this to my 30k game. Um, I know at some point Forge World will probably update the rules for the Forge World Flyers and we'll see it integrated at some level. Uh, but just the the image of you know you've got these dogfights or these aerial battles, and then now you can add the flat component to it. Just just awesome. Just a great mental image for the game. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole, like real, like real war. Yes, like is, that's what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's one of the that's one of the FAQ changes I'm pretty excited for. Definitely. So blast can affect flyers. So that was mine. Now it's your yeah. turn. Uh, so let's see what else we got here. Well, this one's pretty big. Now you don't see it as much. This is, I think, an affect 40k a lot more than us. But uh, Battle Brothers can no longer start out deployed in each other's transports. Still, yeah, it could affect this, but that's going to, I mean, really that kind of breaks up a lot of the Super Friends lists and stuff like that that we're running 40K-wise. 30K-wise, I mean, I think it's mainly because we haven't seen uh, too many ally lists. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You Most know, of the events that we've gone to or run, or all of the events we've gone to or run, haven't allowed allies. Um, at least amongst our core group, none of us have played with allies. So, yeah, but I, I think I, there's people out there that do. Uh, this, you're right, this will have an effect on them. And I don't know, I'm kind of, as far as 30K goes, I'm, I'm a little bit from a. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I guess possibly I'm not super, like it's not something that I'm like, oh, it's not really going to affect a lot because we don't see it. Um, but at the same time, I think this may be something that as, as 30K continues to grow in popularity and you do get the crossover audience from 40K, it's going to discourage a super friends type list. Which will work out. I mean, just I think just in general, it's going to discourage super friend lists. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, I don't know how much travels in transports. Seems like a lot of that stuff is on bikes, but you know, yeah, it is nice to just kind of nip that in the bud now. Yeah, I agree. That that would be the big the big plus side for me on this one. I mean, personally, uh, the stuff I'm running and the stuff I'm planning on running, it has no effect on me whatsoever. But and our group, I don't see it popping up, but I think, you know, if we look at just allowing allies at a future event, for example, I think that's going to be a, a nice help just keeping things on the level. Sorry, you can't bring your your Mechanicum, your uh, Myrmidons inside of this Stormlord. Well, that's just lame. I was going to do that. God damn. It. That is I forgot about that. I forgot we were talking about like how to get that how to get that working. A storm lord with some myrmidons inside of it just open top shooting, unloading Ugh. while yeah, all while another tech priest fixes the insides. Yeah, that, that's brutal. If only the Mechanicum could could take that. Well, it just says they can't deploy in each other's transport, so you just, you know, start out out of it and then hop into it. Well, that's true. It's still possible. That's true. Still a mean ass thing. Mm. Stormlord with a bunch of Myrmidons just peeing out of it. Yeah, that's that, that's a way to to get your friends to not like you anymore. Yeah, that's true. I know Josh would would just hate me if I did that. Although that kind of makes me want to try it against Josh, just because he has such a hatred for my Myrmidons to begin with. 
just all those uh was it plasma fusiles or is it grab imploders <laughs> no it's the uh, the grab imploders and the air raid engines yep. so you, garbage you put, yeah you put a, a mixture of both and those air raid engines where they've got torrents you can spit them out way far away from the hull mm. yeah yeah I think we're safe on that for now. For now. For now. I think somebody's <laughs> going to play it now. I think now somebody just put it in their mind that that's, that's a possibility. And so we'll probably see that at the next event. Yeah. And someone will be saying, curse you, RFI, curse you. So here's one that actually affects me pretty big. It's the scout redeploy happens after the seas roll. Yeah, I saw that. That's actually a huge deal for me um with my uh primark killer list my godslayer list because i before what i was doing was i was scouting forward and i was literally in the wide open shitting my pants for like five seconds while the person rolled their uh cz initiative right Uh, now if they do it it's like oh well then i'll just stay back here away from you and then I'll move up. So, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Like, that's uh, that works out for, especially for alpha striking lists, anybody that's running more tats, anything like that, or if you're one, running uh, uh, some, uh, is the, what's their, the Vigilators, uh-huh. any Exodus, anything like that, anything with Scout. I mean, uh, a lot of people set them up to, to alpha strike that first turn. Now you have the option to like instead of putting yourself out there, putting yourself out in the open, you can sit back, chill, chill for a minute. You know, uh-huh. it's a big deal for Raven Guard players because we, a lot of our units have the option of infiltrate and scout. So we're right. in your face, and then we're even more in your face. But now it's like a calculated: how much in your face do we want to be? So that was a huge deal. I saw that. I was like, man, that's freaking sweet. Isn't it you know now it's just like instead of me having a, a little bit of cold butthole moment before the game, <laughs> it's like now it's kind of, oh, you seized? Well, that's okay. I'll, I'll sleep back into the shadows. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I definitely think Raven Guard, uh, White Scars, you're, you'll see some utility in that, definitely. <laughs> you could even scout away. Like you could, it's like, <laughs> oh, shit, he seized? Then you back up, like especially if you're, because it's just a redeploy move. So let's say like, cause I scout with my rhinos. So like I'm sitting there in your face, you know, 18 inches away. And then as soon as you see, it's like, Oh, fuck that. 12 inches back. Yeah. <laughs> well, never mind. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think that's, a, I think that's definitely something that's fluffy for a lot of lists out there, you know, and it definitely makes sense. Like we've surveyed the battlefield. You know, it makes no sense for us to be up here, just like you said, you know, buttholes puckered, waiting for something to happen. Instead, we're going to move back into cover or concealment or whatever. Heck yeah. That's it. So I was pretty happy about that one. So I hope they keep that. Keep that one, GW. Keep that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that that would be one I could see them keeping. I don't see a lot of people getting up in arms about it because it, it just makes sense. Yeah. So... Looking at this, one of the things that uh, it could be useful to me, this uh, with my word bearers, um, will be my first foray into psychic powers. So 
Now, if a Witchfire attack doesn't have a profile, it's an auto-hit. Yeah, fuck you, Flyers. Boom. Yep. Fuck um, you, invisibility stuff. Boom. Yeah, that that's... So, yeah, and against and really, to me, against invisibility is probably one of the the best ways you could use that. And I was just going to look up here at my handy book and see if anything just jumped out. I know Psychic Shriek should be one that falls under that. Yeah, Psychic Shriek does not have a profile. So for one warp charge, 18-inch range, and you can do uh, that roll versus uh, for the wind. Yeah. That's so sick. I love psychic yeah. shrieking some uh, uh, some artillery squads. Those are probably my favorite things. It's like, oh, you got quad mortars? Boom. <laughs> Take four wounds. Yeah. So, no save any kind of loud. Yeah, and now it's like, oh, I don't have to roll to hit you. I just got to activate my power. So that's pretty pretty nice. Yeah, just taking a quick flip through here to see if anything else. Most of the Witchfire attacks are do have do have profiles. So I mean, it's not like you're going to be getting a lot of stuff that's going to get real crazy. Um, Crush is another one, telekinesis that does not have a profile associated with it. So roll 18-inch range, roll 2d6, target model suffers a hit with a strength equal to the result. Or in the case of a, a vehicle, automatic pin with an AP equal to the result on a separate D6. So now that, that could you might could get something clutch out of that. I mean, it's going to do work. It's you know, it it just got better. Well, I mean, really, Witchfire's got better, and we have been playing it to where you have to roll to hit. Right. So you know, and there's a lot of people that haven't been playing like that. They're like, why is this even a, a rule? It's like, oh well. That's how I learned. Now I yep. don't have to do that anymore. It's just one less thing. I'm yeah, just roll but... this sweet leadership test and yeah, knock then it out. Or, I'm sorry, warp charge. Yeah, just roll to activate your power, and as long as you get your roll, you're good. So, yeah, you've got a small handful of powers you'll be able to use it with. And, of course, this is just – we're just talking 30K because you just have access to the, the main rulebook powers. Um, if you're playing 40k, there may I know they had a new book come out recently with a bunch of more psychic powers. So 40k players may actually see even more utility out of this. There may be more no profile witchfire stuff in there, but I don't know. So I don't have that book since we don't play 40k. So yeah. So there's that. Uh, let's see what else we got. Let's see what else we got. Oh, yeah, the declaration of shots before you have to declare all your shots now instead of you just unloading. So the way this works is gargantuan and super heavies must declare all targets before firing. So if you're thinking to yourself, and, I mean, I think we've all done this to where it's like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and fire here. And then if it doesn't work, I'm going to fire uh, another shot yep. into it. And if that doesn't work, I'll unload this shot into it. Now it's like, okay, you're either like you, you have to gamble on it. So let's say you're playing something. Hmm, I don't know. Say like an Atropos, you know, right. You got your beam weapon and you got, oh wait, is that, does all it has is a beam weapon? It's got the beam weapon, but it also has the, uh, 
the the well, I call it a vortex blast. It could get a vortex out of it, but it's got yeah. to be a blast weapon also. So yeah, you have no backup on that. So man, yeah, it's, I it's, mean, it's a big game changer. When you're like now, you have to. I mean, you you could flub. You could say, okay, I want volcano cannon, volcano cannon, and I want over here. I want to go ahead and fire. You know my missiles before it was volcano cannon it's dead okay volcano cannon over here it's dead mm-hmm. okay rocket launcher over here now it, man it's it's a it's a big deal you gotta you gotta know how powerful your gun is and hope that you don't roll a one. <clears throat> oh yeah a i mean intense scatter yeah you yeah and it, it, i think it's it's gonna force you because super heavies that's one of the things they kind of got um it was like i said everybody at least that i've ever played with did just like you described so now you've really got to put some thought into it. And how do you want to, you know, if you really want to make sure this this one unit's dead, um, yeah, you may decide I'm going to have to pour all of my weapons into it. And yeah, maybe it does die to the first weapon that hits it. But I, I think it's a good balance on super heavies. Because Dude, no. No, nothing else in the game lets you, you know, shoot. Uh, is it dead? No, let me shoot some more. Is it dead? Uh, let me shoot some more. So I, I think it just brings it in line with all the other units. Yeah, it makes sense. It really does make sense. I could feel where it would fuck up somebody's day that was running like a storm hammer all the mm-hmm. time. Or, I mean, somebody that is running... Well, actually, thinking about it now, like any Solar Ox player, because there's so many super heavies, like if you run to Malkador... You know, it's not the biggest super heavy, but it does have a lot of guns on it. So now it's like, okay, where's this going? Where's this going? Where's this going? Uh, So there, there could be, you know, you could uh, fire your last cannon into a, a tank that was blown up before you got to fire your last cannon from the, from the twin linked uh, um, battle cannon shot. So it's like, Man, there's like there's a there's a whole lot of things that could nerf you just from your shooting, and so. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, I don't know. It's uh, you know, super heavies are so prevalent in 30k, so this is this is going to change things a little bit as, as far as how people are running and choosing their shots. I, I don't think it's one of those things. I don't see people saying, "Oh, I'm not going to take a super heavy." Uh, it's not going to affect it like that, but make people think a little bit more and it may allow some of the opponent's units that may have died uh, to live just a little bit longer just because they're not getting you know shot at with all these multiple weapons yeah I see a fully kitted out storm hammer with the the six last cannons the twin link battle cannon the storm hammer cannon and oh there's actually seven last cannons just like okay declare them where do you want them you know yep. that's that's uh that got a little bit a little bit harder to play where you could just one at a time <laughs> unload some last cannons. <laughs> uh yeah. Well okay, so speaking of super heavies, and this wasn't on our list that we talked about uh before the show, but um something I noticed when I was flipping through the draft, um the question posed in the FAQ was are super heavy walkers limited like normal walkers to a forty five degree arc of fire from the facing of the model? The answer no. 
which did change. And that that's actually something that I played with my knights, like with mm-hmm. my, my Asheron and with his heavy bolter. I, I played pretty pretty friendly with that arc. You know, that was always to my opponent's advantage. Right. It was very difficult to get him into a um, beneficial arc to get both of his weapons going because I got him modeled so cool. Right. So, so yeah, that is definitely something that benefits me, but um, I don't know who else out there is running these knights that's going to just got them unhandcuffed. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's it's something that you know, when I've played um, Super Heavy Walkers, the Knights, I've always played, you know, stuck to the arcs uh, just because, you know, the arcs are something that you have in every unit, every weapon in the game. So now that that's, uh, you know, the ability to... it's It almost made me think of the Helldrake with regards to how you can fire now. Because the Helldrake had, had a full, you know... Well, it wasn't a, a model that had a, a pivot in its center like a walker does. Right. Um, you know, it allowed it to fire 360. You weren't restricted to an arc. And so now super heavy walkers have that same ability. You're not restricted to that arc. Hmm. So, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, you know, especially if you've got a walker. And so just to use the example of the Atropos again, you know, if you've got it striding forward, and maybe it uses its beam weapon directly ahead and it throws that that uh, blast weapon arm out to the side to to try to destroy something else. You know, you'll be able to do that. And it's something that I think is fluffy. You know, if you think of uh, the walkers, you know, whether it's titans or, or knights, um, that's something I could see them doing as they're striding the battlefield. They're not, you know, looking straight ahead, firing straight ahead all the time. Yeah, no, exactly. Especially with uh, with your front arc playing a difference on where your you know the arcs make such a big difference with uh, where your shield is. So right. you know when you're firing, you have to plan out how you're gonna fire and you know where which way your front arc is facing, which way your side arc is facing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a very huge deal for you know people who just you know. Just used to play knights, play them rough. Now they're, like I said, they're unhandcuffed. They're free. Uh-huh. Fly free, no knights. <laughs> now, I'll be, I'll be curious to see once if, if that stays in. Um, you know, if that stays in once it goes live, you know, what kind of changes we're going to see with, you know, how people are playing their knights, and is it something that people are going to pick up on quickly to see? Oh, well, I've got this ability now. Oh, it's. Uh, I'm real curious to see how it works out. Yeah. Me too. What else do we got here? Can't jink versus Overwatch. I think we kind of yeah. that. That won't. I mean, it's all you curs, uh, cur star players out there. Sorry about that. Yeah. With the bikes. Uh, can't jink versus that Overwatch. So you're gonna take the uh, the wall of death. Uh, what else? Man, some shield stuff. Generator right. bubble is fixed. So the void shield now. If you have one model out of the void shield, 
the whole unit doesn't get the void shield anymore for the void shield generator. Really? Okay. See, I hadn't. That's one of the ones I had not looked at the details on it. Yeah. Basically, before you could have like your toe in there, and your whole right. unit is getting the void shield. Now it's like the the Gungan. Like if you if you're outside of it, sorry, you don't get void shield. So. I, I never thought we would be able to use Gungans as an example in Warhammer 30K. Yeah, yeah, just like the bubbles. <laughs> just, just just like their force field bubble. Well, it, it makes sense, though, because if you think about it, and you know, going back to uh, the Gungans, um, it, it does make sense. If you've got a dude standing outside the bubble, why would he get the benefit from it? He wouldn't. That's he wouldn't. A, that's true. He's going to get his ass shot, so stay in the bubble. <laughs> Hold my hand. Hold my hand. The power just like transfers to all of them, and so the the void shield extends out. And you, we gotta touch. We have to touch. Oh yeah, that's 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 a good fix. I mean, yeah, I don't know how often people see void shield generators. I've never actually seen one on the table. So see how much mileage we get in thirty k out of it. But it's it's one of those fixes that makes sense in my mind. Yeah. What else? Uh, I mean, a lot of it doesn't seem to. Well, one I thought was funny was the whole uh, emplacement one. That was kind of dumb, but you know. Yeah. I actually had it explained to me by somebody on the internet who has faced that problem a lot more than I have. Really? So yeah. So okay. So the the FAQ states now that if you are if you have multiple units on an emplacement. Excuse me. If you have your unit and an enemy unit on an emplacement, right? And uh-huh. let's like we use the joke for the quad gun, but right. just keep in mind, emplacements are. I mean, they can be massive. The Aquila stronghold, the Aquila uh, gun that's on it, that macro cannon, uh-huh. that's an emplacement. So the FAQ asked if. There is both a if you have a friendly if you're controlling it and your opponent are both within base contact with it, who controls it? Okay. And Games Workshop declared both control it. So basically, now you can just like fire the macro cannon like on each other. Right. Uh, well, actually, I think it has like a minimum range, but it, either way, you, they get to share it. They get to take turns firing the macro cannon as long as somebody's in within base contact with it. Well. So, you know, I heard, I read that and I thought, like, this is fucking stupid. Like, you know, what are they going to take turns doing it? Like, how is this going to work? This makes no fucking sense. And then uh, I got pointed out that the reason why they did it was because before people were doing disordered charges on both emplacements and the units. So, and with a disordered charge, they could, like, get in there. And it would be considered like a combat, but now because you control it, it's not considered an enemy model, and right, so you okay. can't disorder charge it. It is a whole weird thing. But I was like, man, I guess like if that is the easy way to fix that, because it seems like the easy way to fix that is just like make it to where you can't charge emplacements. But what these But well, that, I don't that know. makes sense. I hadn't I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but I could see it. I, I don't know. Again, it just it's one of those things. That uh, I guess it hasn't come up to me personally, but you know somebody out there's had to deal with it. Yeah. 
somebody's had to deal with somebody else's bullshit, and <laughs> now they say, you know what? You both get to use it. You both get to fire the gun. Jesus Christ. Y'all are acting like kids. Yeah, you have to write yeah, these take, fucking take FAQs. Take turns. It's a goddamn game. It's a goddamn game. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a middle image of uh, the guys lined up, and uh, oh, no, no, it's Bobby Orc's turn. Yes, let him go. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they were... Cause that uh, that comic that I made, it was like you know, okay, you know, it's Bubruck's turn, and somebody yeah. was like, "Oh man, you should have like, you should have made it this gun." And I was trying to think, I was like, "Well, how could I have done that?" And then I realized I should have done like a line of uh, of uh, like outside the Aquila, like have a door inside the uh, <laughs> the Aquila, and like coming out of the door is an Imperial Guard, and next in line is an Orc, and it's just like Orc Imperial Guard, Orc Imperial Guard, Orc Imperial Guard, and they're just like all waiting in this line to get a turn in the the Aquila stronghold. It's like so. it's like the bathroom at a concert, just a lot of people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, too funny, man! Too funny. Yeah. So I was I was looking at the list here and seeing um, what else we had. So uh, one of the things, feel no pain can never cannot be a plus a one up. I guess that was a thing people were running into. Yeah, some like beardy people, like I guess. Yeah, because when, when I saw that, I, my first inclination was, how the hell are you getting a one up feel no pain? And then I started sitting down thinking about. It. I said, well, I guess if you. I'm guessing psychic hours. I didn't follow the whole trail into it, but um, yeah, if if it if it's happening out there, then it's a good thing they're stopping it because I think one up feel no pain is just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, somebody needed to put an end to that. I'm yeah. glad it was Games Workshop because if it was me, <laughs> if it was me, I, I would slap the model out of your hand if you told me you had a one up feel no pain. That's how I'd handle if you, it. If you fucking told me. That you're running the one up, feel no pain. We're having a conversation. <laughs> it's uh, not gonna be a pleasant one. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those. Uh, have a conversation before you play a game with somebody. Well, this falls into that category. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, again, you, you mentioned beard. Yeah, I, I fully think it's one of those beardy things. Uh, probably seen in, in 40k more so than 30k. Um, just because you don't you don't have all of the the crossover. Um, everybody's power is benefiting everybody else just due to the different army factions and whatnot in 30k so yeah just not, not something i've ever ever seen on my 30k table it's because we play with good people I, I yeah i think so i think our our scene and our meta is is pretty chill and pretty narrative pretty fluffy and yeah we're gonna we try to beat beat the other person's ass but you know we try to do it in the right way don't bring that garbage to me. Yeah, don't shut it. down real quick. Don't be bringing that bullshit in my game. Yeah. All right. So, looking at everything, uh, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot much that's a big deal. I mean, everything else is kind of simple stuff. The whole, I mean, they kind of said grab effects void shields on a six now. Yeah. But, we don't really play enough grab. Flyer monstrous creatures kind of got some updates. That's not it's something that we have to worry about too much, so that's not a big deal. Uh, oh, what about the uh, can't move through walls in a ruin? How does so, that make you feel? 
Because I, I, I that that was a big deal in my first game of uh, of uh, the tournament in Adepticon. He drove a Malkador through the wall, and because it was considered a ruin, and like he right. just like like Malkador and Furnace in my face, and like I there was you know obviously couldn't fit through a door. So like, can tanks just not go in buildings now? Like, is that a well? So I, I guess I'm of two thoughts, and I'm, I'm actually going to pull that up so I can. I want to see the exact wording on it. So give me just a second. I am pulling that up on the little sheet here because so I've got one unit or one model um, that can quote unquote move through walls, and that's the uh, the Maragul. So I'm kind of curious, and I've got the terrain pulled up here, so give me just a second. Yeah, man, that was a... Man, dude, you drove that Malkador. I had I was hiding Strike Commander Mon inside of the uh, inside of a building, and then, like, this fucking Malkador and Furnish just... Poof, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Goosh, and lights me on fire. It's like, fuck, because like, I hit him perfectly. He was, like, in this corner, shivering, scared. Because he yeah. just watched his whole legion die. That was a uh, the Chris Evans. Oh uh, yeah, I was thinking that's probably just, what it was. Yeah, versus his solar auxilla with their the Malkador and furnace. God, that thing still scares the shit out of me. Oh, it's just, it's a beastly, beastly unit, man. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Uh, was it in the actual the terrain section? Uh, for the, the or was it in vehicles? I think it was in the terrain section. Okay, because I'm looking through it. Okay, so I will just read it out. So it says a ruin, e.g., a shrine of Aquila, is treated as difficult terrain. But does that mean that models can move through walls? The answer, no. So now. Just any model just doesn't get to just wiggle its way through whatever walls it wants to, which I think it's always like how we've always like played it was like, oh, this wall's not gonna stop a fucking Spartan. <laughs> now it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. That's a strong yeah. ass wall. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I could definitely see that having an effect just on the way you play certain things. Um, <clears throat> you know, being able to ignore uh, the terrain checks doesn't mean you're just going to plow through it. I don't know. I've done that before, too. So that's, that's an interesting change. And, uh, yeah, that's really good. It's going to make you stop and think. Uh, you know, if you've played, I know I've driven tanks into ruins before, you know, perching them on top of little half walls and whatnot. So I guess that's, that's a thing of the past. I don't know. I think that brings up more FAQ than it needs to. So, like, now it's like, okay, do you have to have doors? Are you, like, can what about windows? Can you go through a window? Right. Uh, there's a whole lot of things. That, and, you know, what can, like, does it have to fit in the door to go through it? Because now you're basically treating all walls as impassable terrain. And mm-hmm. what happens? Like, what happens if there's a guy hiding in a corner, like Strike Commander Mon? Can you just not attack him? Can he just like not 
get jumped as long as he's in an enclosed building? That would seem to indicate that, but I think you're right. I think that's going to need a lot more clarification. Um, you've got a lot of rules out there that, that give you certain abilities that I'm not going to say counter it, but maybe uh, just sound counter to it. And I think it's going to cause cause some confusion. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's we'll one. That's be one to look at closely whenever this thing becomes official and live. You know, what do they do with that? Because I think that will. You know, when you think about how, when you look at our terrain, how much of it is ruins or buildings. And what is considered a wall? If I have like a, if yeah. I'm behind a two foot wall, am I? You can never charge me. You never come get me. Yeah, so exactly. That's. I think that's a good question. You know, what what is a wall in, in this regard? So yeah, more more. I think more questions than what it answered. So that'd be real <laughs> interesting to see what GW does with that. Poor G Dub's got to come up with some way to like justify what how tall a wall is, how <laughs> thick the wall has to be. Fuck, because like right now my I'm looking at my dreadnought and he's got this little baby wall on his uh uh secret weapon miniature base and it's, I'm just thinking to myself, nope, that's impossible, buddy. <laughs> you you actually just screwed yourself before you even hit the battlefield. If you had knees, you'd be all right, <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> Yeah, I hate to I hate to break to you, Monty, but uh, once you deploy that unit, you will not be able to move. Ever. He is stuck behind that little, you know, foot high wall that's on his base. Games Workshop said. <laughs> hey, aren't you going to move that dreadnought during the movement phase? No, no, he can't move. It's perpetually immobilized. Yeah, he's, he's there. Don't worry, buddy. They'll, they'll come pick him up after the battle. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. There's that guy. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, and I think a lot of these, you know, because we, we could spend hours going through, there's, you know, 40 pages of this stuff, but I think a lot of these are going to require a little more, um, little more explanation before they fully roll it out when you start, start looking at it. Oh, well, maybe not a lot of them, but I think some of them are. Yeah. Robbie, the intern did his best, but it's time to, time to get some adults in there. Yeah, to write these so, rules, and I'm curious, you know, how long, uh, how long are we looking at before uh, they they make it official or before they call it done? Mm, I don't know. I wouldn't give it very long. I mean, it seems like from when they talked about when they actually because remember all these questions came up from Games Workshop asking, uh, asking it on their Facebook page, you know, right? You know what FAQs was I like to see? And I mean, that was only what. A month ago? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't maybe six weeks at the at the longest. So the fact that they came and turned that around this quick, you know, I, I really see them knocking out these this FAQ from draft form to normal form pretty fast. And I think I think what they did was they put the draft form out like that to see which ones caused the most controversy. Mm-hmm. So they can go back and look at that. This whole Facebook thing for Games Workshop is working great. It's working fantastic for them. It's it's been one of their best moves that, since I've been playing, because I I think having the ability, you know, as consumers of their product, you know, I want to be able to interact. I mean, that's just the nature of of how we are today with social media and communication. We want to be able to interact with the folks that are making the the things that we do. 
and have them interact back with us. So I, I think I think it's a, a super smart move on their part. I'm super excited with the the way Games Workshop's moving, listening to us little people. Yeah, and uh, who knows, man? If if you go by that, there's a certain silly image on the internet regarding that grenade uh, ruling, and uh, I don't know, but if you see it change. Hey, if it does change, I feel like it was our comic that made it change. <laughs> <laughs> the thing got so many comments and so many people just like got their, like what was funny is like how the amount of people that were like, oh, this is how I've always played it. That's how it's always been. I don't know what's wrong with it. It's like, well, then you've obviously never played anywhere outside of your house. Like, come yeah. on, homie. Like, yeah, you've, you've, been playing, you've been playing in the basement. That's fine. Because I've played a lot of people over the, over the years, and I've never had a play like that. So, <laughs> it's like apparently one guy even said, "Well, that's how they've been playing it at Warhammer World." I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse me, I haven't played a game at Warhammer World, so yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so without going into everything else, man, I think uh, I think we should uh, put this one to bed. We still yeah, got a so. sweet, sweet interview with uh, Steve from ModCube coming up. Oh, man. You guys are going to love this. Steve is a, a super awesome dude. So we got that for you guys. We got some sweet music as well. And that interview, man, I was just so happy with it. Like, y- y'all are going to have such a good time. If you've ever considered starting a Kickstarter or considered, like, <clears throat> maybe your friends want to jump on a Kickstarter or anything like that, like Stevie's or Steve's about to just like blow your mind about to about to show you how it's done so. yeah yeah a lot of interesting stuff has a lot of stuff that i never had thought of or never knew regarding kickstarters and and just getting your own business you know rolling rolling like he did so yeah super interesting and i will say uh you know we talked before uh, steve and mod cube one of our sponsors for alamo 30k uh got his product in today and uh Man, it's just, it's an awesome product. Go check him out online, uh, modcube.com, and see what he's got going on. Uh, because just once, now that I've held these in my hands and I've looked at uh, how they go together and the functionality of them, I'm, I'm sold. I'm going to have to order some more just for myself. We're just like, dude, this year has been like the best year for Warhammer products. Yeah. No doubt, man. No doubt. All right, guys. Well, we will sign out from this part of the podcast and let you listen to the sweet, sweet sound of Laban's Fate.
All right, guys, welcome back. You enjoyed that sweet, sweet music. Uh, we actually got a guest for y'all. Uh, we actually have Steve. Steve, right? Not Steven. Steve. Yeah, just Steve. <laughs> from uh, from ModCube. How's your day going, Steve? It's great. Good to be here. So, uh, Steve, uh, we actually got you on because you offer a cool product, and we wanted to kind of go over, like, you know, what you offer you had a kickstarter you, you want to kind of explain you know what your uh, what your company is or what, what you do yeah so i think you know met met your whole crew at adepticon it was pretty great uh we're running the modcube booth it's just modcube.com if you google modcube or pretty much what pops up and uh it's just a two-part cube that you put a bunch of uh tokens in so you can put in tokens for you know 40k or Infinity, Malifo, whatever game system you're playing, and kind of assemble the cubes and uh, use them as a way to just kind of reduce table clutter. So, you know, I found as a you know War Machine player and even for 40K, people are carrying around these tackle boxes now where they've got all their tokens sorted and they kind of open it up and rifle through and pull out, okay, this is my knockdown marker, or this is my, my shaken or my smoke marker, and this is my wound counters, and, you know, you just got everything uh spreading out and you know you've got these sideboards on tables now that room for all your kind of paraphernalia and uh you know one day me and my friends were playing around and we're like man it'd be great to just put six tokens on one cube why hasn't somebody done that yet so we did it is that really like how it went down though is that how the epiphany happened or, yeah like well, was it well like when you thought of it you were like this is fucking genius like this is <laughs> this is <laughs> Yeah, actually, I got to give credit to my friend uh, Q. I um, I, I'm an engineer by trade, and so sometimes, you know, I I run ideas by them, and a lot of times they say, "Oh, that's useless. You know, it's not worth anything." And um, I was looking at, you know, this idea where I could make a modular cube, and you know, my other friend was like, "Well, you're just reinventing dice. That won't do anything." And he was like, "Hey, man, this would be great for consolidating tokens and game systems." And yeah, he was pretty much the the one who who thought of what it could be used for because. Um, you know, obviously, uh, if you're just going to use it as just a one through six dice, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's only useful if you're going to configure it in a unique way for a particular game system uh, that a dice couldn't, you know, uh, be easily used for. Right. You said, hey, man, dude, you said, look, people spend hundreds of dollars for plastic soldiers like they're going to buy some custom markers. You know, it's going down. So. Yeah, for sure. And even like, you know, I mean, I'm a good 40K player. I've got a dice with, you know, 100 <laughs> dice in it on all custom faces and um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just gamer swag and, um, you can match them to your army and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, obviously I, my whole gaming group got into it and they, they kind of got the first ones and, and started using them. And yeah, it, you know, I showed it at Adepticon last year, uh, before we were selling them, um, and kind of said, Hey, we're launching the Kickstarter, you know, sign up for when we launch. And, uh, you know, the response was, was pretty good. So yeah. Dude, honestly, honestly at Adepticon, whenever like the first game I played with it, I would like roll. I would like, I was totally like new to the whole concept of it. Like I didn't understand. I was like, okay. So I was like, here's the marker. Okay. I'm, I'm on the objective. Let me go ahead and roll a dice. And then, uh, it was, uh, uh, Chris Evans like looked at me and he goes, dude, why don't you just roll the cube? I was like, right. Oh yeah, I guess I could. And as soon as I did that, like it was this whole moment. I was like, this is fucking brilliant. Like what the, <laughs> like, what, like this is genius. I, I rolled the cube for the mysterious objective. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is nuts. And like, it was so cool, man. Like it was, 
it, it made things so much easier. Like you didn't have to like think about anything. You didn't have to like re-reference what a three means on like yep. a, an objective or anything That's, like that. It's that that was the genius to me. You know, it was my first this 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 most recent Adepticon was my first experience with you know the horse heresy tables uh, had the mod cubes, the uh, secret objective mod cubes for horse heresy, and that was my first real experience with them. And just the simplicity of it, because, you know, I'm as a, as a longtime 40 K player, I'm so used to like, and, and it, that, that table is one of those things. It's like, what does it do again? Okay. Let me roll. Let me dig up the page number. Yeah. And just to have it all right there. Of course there's a little card that went along with it, but it was so simple and it made the game flow so easily that Dude, by, I was sold by, by my second game. I already knew what the little symbols meant. So like it was so crazy because like I could play the game and there there were certain symbols that meant uh, preferred enemy uh, traders and then there was another preferred enemy loyalist and you could see like the different symbols like one was the eye of horse and one was the uh, the eagle and so I'm like okay let me go there's an eagle let me run towards that it was like so nuts because like you wouldn't be able to normally play like that right. with like normal mysterious objectives like it it really did make a huge difference in the game dude like it's. And you, and you wouldn't think like you just, I didn't even know. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I do. I do need to bring up one thing. So, Steve, you said you have a friend named Q, like Q from James Bond. Yeah, he's he's actually got a longer name, but you know it's too long. We just call him Q. Oh, that's pretty <laughs> badass. Yeah, that's, it's great. I was gonna ask if he designs Aston Martins for you, but <laughs> no, I think. Um, you know, from what you guys were saying there, yeah, the, uh, you know, the 30K set, that was, um, you know, designed by the guys who, who did the 30K event at Adepticon, and um, that was like a custom set just for them. On the, the normal Mysterious Objective set, we do have the the word written right there so that people kind of mm-hmm. know what the symbol is, and that set was actually something that people just suggested during the Kickstarter. We actually hadn't thought of the, the Mysterious Objective set. We'd only done like a vehicle damage set for 40K, and, uh, you know, some backers suggested it, and... I think in person, that's definitely like a set that people get that aha moment when they see it and, you know, really like using it. Whereas, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to envision it. And a lot of people don't play with mysterious objectives because it's a pain. And then all of a sudden you're just like, okay, this is so easy. Yes, so. it do- it's totally is, man. Like never, never have I looked at a mysterious objective after I was on the mysterious objective and <laughs> referenced back to it. Like I've never <laughs> nice. thought... Oh yeah, there's the Skyfire objective right there. It's always right. been like, what does that one do again? Whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. Just ignore right. it. Like if I can see the little symbol, I remember. Oh shit, there's a flyer. Let me run to that thing. Yep. It's so good, so good. Like if you don't mind me asking, like how long before the Kickstarter was like funded? Like how long did it take? I know you know on the top of your head. Um, I think we had a goal of like 15k. So we funded the first day and. Um, we ended up so at like 45 bad. so yeah it was it was great that's one awesome. day like what a relief like did you wake up in the did you sleep that day like did that did that it, happen it, or were you just watching it like the, the the people donating yeah so it's funny because we were talking before the the recording here about you know just how much gaming time we get or don't get right and obviously doing the mod cube you guys doing the 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 streaming uh you know it's just you you lose all your gaming time but um yeah, I mean, that was that was a whole other level of, like, not having any time during the Kickstarter. I mean, it was just crazy because people are messaging you. You know, you get 
a lot of websites picking you up and then people point to it and say, hey, you know, you should go over here and comment, you should go over here and comment. And I think my work suffered that month, uh, definitely. It was a uh, very, very busy month. So like, it's so it's so funny because you you can't tell your job that like you can't yeah. be like hey come on I'm like oh, I'm, yeah I'm kind of a big deal in the war gaming scene right now you don't yeah I I mean they, you know I did I did um you know uh, kind of show other engineers the cube design and they they were cool with it it was it was exciting but yeah that was like a no sleep month especially when people are asking for new designs for you know the various game systems um, we had a whole firestorm armada like movement during the kickstarter it was one of the last goals we unlocked because you know it doesn't get a whole lot of play but um it was also like the most complicated set to make um it just it took so long there's like i don't know there's like double the tokens of that set or something and yeah yeah you're just like please don't please don't hit the goal please don't hit the goal oh. <laughs> yeah right it, it almost, yeah it almost it almost does a little bit of that i mean it was great i mean i love it I, we just cut some sets of those actually earlier today but um yeah it's 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 really complex. Whereas, you know, you compare it to like a 40K set, and I think 40K just as a game as well, um, it's simpler, you know? I mean, there's there's not as many crazy statuses to keep track of um, right. as in some of these other, you know, really, really token-heavy, complex games. So if you don't mind me asking, how many games does ModCube support? All the games. I think, yeah, all the games. Yes, all the games. I think I think it's about twenty um, right now. We we actually have a custom option on the website too, um, and so sometimes people submit like sets that we don't make uh, right now. So someone just submitted like a BFG set. Um, we have a Guild Ball set, but someone submitted their own custom one anyway with like some extra options that weren't in the set that we had uh, on the site, and so it's kind of a uh, you know people can submit their own art but yeah i think i think we've got most of the big systems and it's uh, almost 20 um on there right now i always got to ask this whenever like it's a custom anything like have you ever gotten one that was just like out there like weird as shit you're like oh wow uh no we, we can't like have you denied anybody <laughs> one like yeah i don't know, you know we, some... yeah we haven't had that yet um but that's yeah I, I was i was actually worried we might have to turn some people away if they were using like um, protected symbols um, but yeah for the most part people have been pretty good we pointed um, on the custom site we pointed people to uh, um, kind of a, another site that has free art that's free to use and so I think people have mostly taken advantage of that oh okay wow. that's super nice of you people don't <laughs> think about that people just don't think <laughs> yeah I mean it because I've, I've noticed it before I mean because I used to organize like custom dice orders for DACA. I'm, I'm like a mod on, on DACA as well. And, um, you know, they always have disclaimers on there that they can't do, you know, protected art. I think it's the same for like t-shirt companies. And anytime you've got custom stuff, people are going to want, you know, I don't know, Mickey Mouse or something on it. And right. they just have to be careful. And obviously we, um, even though we make, you know, our, our best sellers are X-Wing and, and our 40K sets. And um, even though we make tons of 40K sets, uh, we we know we don't say GW anywhere. We don't use anything close to any of their art. We made everything ourselves um, because you know you just don't want to dance with that elephant. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of examples out there of people have had to deal with that. So. Yeah, I, I mean, you know. look at like guys like Chapter House, and um, I think it was really admirable of them to like stand up for themselves. But at the same time, I think 
you know, that can just kind of ruin your life. So uh, we it have does. no interest. <laughs> Especially when you don't LLC that shit. Like you just assets frozen for yeah. all assets. Yeah. You're not yeah, paying your house note this month. Oh, still, man, that, that, that is a, that is a legal battle that will go down in wargaming history right there. Well, I, right. I think, I think the repercussions of that are still kind of rever, you know, it's still going through the community. I mean, even now, G Dub will take you to court. <laughs> that yeah. is, <laughs> yeah, I think have... even in um, you know, some of the, like even even GW's actions themselves are a little bit different. Like a lot of the art, if you look at the art for Age of Sigmar, um, all the art is directly correlated to like a model for the most part. Like if you look mm -hmm. at the art of a of a new orc, it looks just like the orc model. Um, you know, they change the names or everything to be something that they could actually you know trademark IP yeah yeah so i think it, it definitely had a huge effect on both gw and the the wargaming industry that's for sure man like definitely yeah. i i was i i sat there and i was trying to figure out why they called them oryx now and i was like oh yeah that's right yeah they're, lock, yeah, they're chapter locking house. it down yeah that's right <laughs> well i think we'll continue to see that as as we move forward you know we saw that with imperial guard to astro Militarum. Adept as a start is. Adept, yeah, exactly. It's it's something that the company as a whole is kind of it's pivoted a little bit to address. Um, but yeah, I, I see their point, and I think there's still. I mean, you still got room to do complementary products, but you just got to be just got to watch what you're doing. You know. Yeah, for sure. I think you know, and I mean that's part of the appeal of of even something like 30k is. Um, you know, Forge World, even though they're part of the same company, they're kind of a little bit off the, the same path and seem like they can do some interesting things. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's just the reality of, of the way the company is right now. And, I mean, you know, I, I try not to be a GW hater. I, I just think it's very interesting, the whole the whole uh, path that has resulted from it. Well, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think it's somebody that started out, you know, I started in 40K several years ago and, you know, seeing, you know, because I've purchased from Chapter House, uh, you know, the things that they've offered, uh, you know, different third-party companies over the years, but just seeing how the company has is, is evolved, I guess, and then seeing, you know, especially now that they've got a new leader in the company, and I'm curious to see what's going to happen going forward with regards to how they, uh, third-party stuff is here to stay, and I, and I don't, I guess I don't want to make this a, a whole third-party discussion, but you know, third party stuff is here to stay. It's not going away. You know, it's it's just the way of life when you come to, to multiple genres, multiple items. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be curious how the, the new the new uh, CEO of uh, G-Dub handles it. And yeah. And we see it going forward. You know, I think there have been some really encouraging signs. I mean, you know, bringing back specialist games, um, you know, they, they, they're, you know, adding points to Age of Sigmar now and Apparently, a lot of that was in conjunction with seeing events do it mm -hmm. and the fact that they're acknowledging events now. So I think all that is, is really exciting things. I mean, I certainly keep an eye on it just because, you know, for example, we don't have a Blood Bowl set yet. But, hey, man, mm -hmm. if Blood Bowl's coming back, we're going to we're gonna make a set of mod cubes for it. Heck so. yeah. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's uh, – go ahead, Michael. No, I'm just, like, thinking about all, like, the different, like, mod cubes for, like, Epic and, mm -hmm. you know, for – for you already said battlefleet gothic but like necromunda mod cubes just all all the things oh yeah i mean we 
like I said, the actually uh, as soon as I get off the call here, I'm gonna go back to uh, uh, the BFG set we're we're cutting right now for one of our Adepticon volunteers who he designed it. And uh, yeah, I mean, all that stuff's great. I mean, I don't know. Everybody usually starts out with GW games, and that's kind of what you're you would you would keep playing if it was an option, right? And so yeah. I was like, I'm still excited for Drop Fleet. I was all about Drop Fleet, you know, back to Kickstarter. My whole group's into it, but. I mean, you know, if BFG comes back, I mean, we'll probably be playing BFG. And, yeah. you know, I'm certainly very happy to make, uh, you know, mod cubes for whatever products uh, GW makes. I think they make some great games. For sure, dude. For sure. They, 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 they've got to figure it out. And I think they're actually coming around uh, just like friendly-wise. You just know that, you know, they got a, they got Facebook now. So, yeah, exactly. you know, <laughs> like that that says everything. It's yeah. like It's like the golden age. If, yeah, you, if you haven't checked it out, check out the Blood Bowl Facebook. It's hilarious. They do it like their like their game announcers. It's really good. Oh, I have not checked that out yet. Oh yeah, dude, it's it's fantastic. Like it's it's just it's a good time to be a gamer all around. That's right. You know, you got sweet mod cubes floating around. You've got Games Workshop not suing everybody. It's yeah. just you know, <laughs> it's a good it's a good time to be the Age of Sigmar is not is gonna get points like. Yeah, that that ruffled so many feathers. You you're a you're a uh, like you were a fantasy player, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was I was pretty hardcore in fantasy, um, end of seventh uh, into eighth, um, you know. So yeah, I, I was I was into it, and I'm I'm real happy about the development. I think it'll you know broaden the fold that they can appeal to with the game. And um, actually, I've got actually that was the most requested set at Adepticon was for us to make an Age of Sigmar set. Um, I think they've got a mysterious terrain element that's kind of similar to the mysterious objectives that, you know, it's like, oh, it's a pain. I got to go look up the table, roll for it. Um, so we'll probably end up making a set uh, for Age of Sigmar, especially now that it's getting points and might see a little bit more competitive play. Dude, that's so crazy to me. Like, I, I just couldn't imagine, like, uh, somebody coming up to me. It's like, hey, the game I play has this. Make a cube for it. And it's like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what do you... What do you want me to do like i kudos to you for like having the patience to figure all that out yeah i mean it was it was really great during the kickstarter we got a lot of like you know hand holding from you know for lack of a word like in-game experts so again firestorm armada i was like you know i've seen some games play but i don't know you know what what ratios i should make of of how many you need mines how many admiral tokens and uh you know we had a couple guys guide us through it you know things like infinity are really token heavy uh you know 40k i i play and i knew well enough and was able to kind of you know do it in conjunction with my gaming group but uh, we definitely got a lot of great feedback on on the other games and i mean right now there's so many games just because of you know same same element kickstarter uh really opening up uh the possibility of of companies getting their name out there and getting their game out there and like i said it's a great time to be a gamer with all the options we have for real man so what do you see, you know, now, I, and I agree, I think now it's kind of a golden age. I I grew up playing D&D. Um, I played D&D through high school and, and the early 90s, mid-90s, late 90s, if you will. And, uh, yeah, as far as tabletop games go, what do you what do you see as being the future as far as what you're doing? What do you see as, what do you want to be on the cutting edge of as we go forward? Yeah, you know, we've kind of got our own little niche with the, um, you know, we, we title our company Third Dimension Gear, and um, I'm really interested in, in widgets, I guess, for lack of a better word. I'm an engineer, and I like designing little plastic uh, parts, and so 
um, you know, we're, we're basically looking at making more things like that in the future and can't talk too much about it. We got something else coming later this year, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where we're going to be, uh, you know, putting our efforts as far as like gaming itself. I mean, it was so interesting. I play war machine and, um, there was this whole move of war machine players into a game called guild ball. I don't know if you've uh-huh. heard of it, but, um, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, it picked up steam like crazy. I mean, those guys are running a Kickstarter right now for a board game, and they've got almost two million pounds, I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that you're going to see a lot of the, the playing field is just a lot more level for other smaller games to to pick up steam, and um, I think we're just going to see more and more of that. So, Kickstarter, man, you like? Are you about it? Like, are, is that like your go-to now? Like, eh, if I ever come up with another badass idea, I'll just sling it on Kickstarter, get it, get it real quick. You know, one day. <laughs> have the funds available <laughs> you know it, it's it's really interesting i think um you know i've backed i i've actually backed like 250 kickstarters i mean i got That's addicted awesome. to it and you know i watched it partially because i was interested in running one and you know partially just because you know it was cool all the all the different things that could result in it um but i think that you know to really do my, my view is that to, to do a good kickstarter you really have to be pretty far along and so you know you obviously see you know things where someone just has a concept and they get i don't know two hundred thousand dollars and now they have to go enact it um everything that we do um we're gonna be pretty far along like with the mod cube we had already made our injection mold for the cube and so we were confident that it would actually work and then we were able to go to kickstarter to get money for the full production run to get all the cubes uh basically made because we had fifty-five thousand parts uh mm-hmm. made and so you know, that's the same thing we would do in the future is if we come up with a new product, which we're kind of in the early stages of, of the molding process on our next right now, um, we would, you know, hopefully fund the mold ourselves or at least a prototype mold and have real parts to show. Um, Kickstarter actually has a policy that you're not allowed to use renders, um, but everybody does. So what can you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've seen plenty of renders on Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and, and renders are, I think, are fine, especially like stretch goals, things like that. But um you know, I do think there should probably be some requirement about like, I don't know, maturity level of certain, certain, I just backed like a 3d printer called the Olo on there. Um, it's, it's actually really ingenious. You take your smartphone and, um, your phone is actually providing the light that will cure the liquid resin, uh, of a little tray to make, you know, little widgets. Right. And so a hundred bucks is a great idea. But the problem was is as the campaign goes on, people realize, Oh, the video of it in operation is, it's just a render, right? It's not actually a video. Um, you know, does the thing actually work? How, you know, how mature is this design? You know, they, they raised 2.3 million and uh, it's a big question mark right now. So anyway, it's I could go on forever about Kickstarter. I think it's amazing, um, but I think they need to add some more oversight or else I think, uh, you know, the government or someone else is going to be forced to kind of regulate them a little bit more. It, it, it's crazy, like, how many, like, failed Kickstarters are out there and, like, yeah. how many people, like, basically, like, because you don't get your money back for that. It's like, oh, you tried. It's right. an investment. Like, it, it, I always, like, that drives me, like, crazy to, to think about, like, some of those ones that, fa- like, just failed to, to pan out. Like, oh, didn't work. Sorry, guys. Well, and, and, and as someone that runs a business, I'm, that, bef- honestly, that befuddles me, you know, as far as when you look at investment versus exactly what Steve's just talking about, you know, maturity of, of your product and maturity of your idea. 
that to me, and I've looked at a ton of Kickstarters and I've, I've invested in, in nowhere near the amount of, that Steve has, but just the ones that I've looked at and stuff that catches my interest. I'm, I look at them and said, okay, is this a viable thing that may actually happen? And it's, you know, it's 50, 50. There's, I know there's a lot of gray area out there, but I think that I, I am curious what, what we're looking at as far as oversight in the next few years looks like, because as a business model, it's, you know, yeah, you could dump 200 K into it, 250 K into it and your investors have nothing. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting because Kickstarter, you know, just in the last year or so gave us things like arena Rex, you know, guild ball, some really amazing, you know, games that are kind of coming on. Um, but you know, at the same time, yeah, you have all these, you know, catastrophic failures and uh yeah it's just it's just interesting i you know a lot of it you know they say themselves is it's up to the backers to do their homework and right. um you know a lot of it is kind of people helping each other out and um like the you know i just mentioned the olo like you know i i was like oh this is awesome you know kind of put my pledge in researched it more saw what other commenters are saying i was like oh okay maybe i should you know lessen this a little bit and, and you know keep an eye on it but you know it's not really ready yet so yeah, I think that's the best thing you can do is kind of just ask other, especially other people who know the field, you know, whether it's wargaming or whatever. Um, a lot of times, you know, the best the best wargaming Kickstarters, they've got, you know, production samples they're showing or, or their experience and they know how to do it. Um, right. If it's just pure renders, they haven't picked their production partner, they don't know if they're going to go with resin or injection molds. You know, those are all kind of, you know, signs that you can look for on, on whether it's going to pan out or not. I think I've actually got um, a pretty good batting average on like the 250, I think I've only had a couple really go belly up. And um, even on those, I found that if you reach out to the creator and I mean, most of these guys actually generally, you know, they really wanted to succeed. Right. And right. so if, if you reach out and ask them and say, Hey, you know, I pledged for this, but um, you know, I can see it's not going to happen. Like, you know, can, can I, you know, help you cover the shipping cost or can I, you know, take this instead? And yeah, I found almost all of them are willing to, uh, to work with you, you know, except the real crooks and, you know, you can't do anything about those guys. They're, they're no good. Which are, which are few and far between. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Most of these yeah. guys are, are dreamers and, you know, sometimes they get in over their heads. I mean, you know, we even had that with the mod cube, right? Like all of a sudden, you know, I think we raised like 47,000 and, um, you know, we got a little bit extra through the backer kit. Kickstarter takes a cut, but even after all that, you know, just call it 40 K that all of a sudden they just drop in your bank account. And I mean, you've got, you know, you've got your budget, you've got it allocated. You know, I need, whatever it is, 10K for the tool, 15K for the production run, 10K for the laser, you know, 5K for shipping. I'm just throwing out numbers here. I don't yeah. have the actual right. numbers yeah, in front for, of me. For, but, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it can it can get really hard to handle. And, I mean, you know, we were, we were able to invest some of our own funds and kind of cover where there was shortfall and then, you know, make it back when we launched our web store and started selling at retail. But, um, you know, I can just see how if you extrapolate that out by another digit, you know, um, it can just get out of hand for people. And, uh, you know, I just think it's, it, it's crazy because you're almost seeing all these creators go through a crash course in logistics where they for really real. just wanted to make like a painting or they wanted to make a, a resin yeah. miniature, you know, and they didn't know how to handle shipping to 5,000 people. So. No, I, I, I think that's, that's a tr tremendously accurate point because, you, you know, just looking at, at what you want to do and there's, there's so many ideas out there, but you know, how do you execute it? And when you talk about execution, how do you execute it? Not just 
as far as like, okay, I've got a product in my hand, but you know, I've got the production costs. I've got the, the product getting it to the person. I've got all the in-between costs. Yeah. It's, it's a, a lot of people. I, I don't, yeah, I'm not gonna say they don't think of that, but they're not prepared maybe to, to handle that issue. Yeah. And I think you've got some pretty, you know, and that's why it was, it was helpful for us, you know, just even, you know, having backed a lot or watched a lot of Kickstarters because there's some common traps. I mean, especially when you look at miniature gaming, there was, there was like a, a period of like a year where, um, all these companies felt pressured to say they were going to try to go for, uh, it's called hips, high impact polystyrene, mm -hmm. um, models. And the molding is just so expensive. And even, even more than that, it's so hard to model, uh, something with, with just absolutely no undercuts that will, that will work, um, for that kind of molding that, you know, all these companies were committing to it and then not able to follow through, um, on the on the cubes, we ended up going with a material called acetal, um, which I haven't seen used for um, a lot of war games. Um, we use it just because it colors very well and it kind of slides together easily since the cubes have to assemble. Um, but again, like you just you have a lot of like momentum when the campaigns are going and and a real incentive to overpromise and underdeliver if you're not prepared uh, yeah. beforehand. And what's crazy is like you like. Did, like I'm sure that you had no idea what that like plastic was before you did any of this. Like it was just kind of like, well, I have to do research on what the best plastic go with is, and I gotta just figure it out. Like it's it's nuts to me. Like it's, it's nuts. Like zero yeah, to a hundred. I think that's that's why um, it's important just to to have really good you know like partners. I mean, you know, I'm watching a there's a campaign right now called Minion Miniatures there in the UK and. Um, you can tell it's kind of a one-man band. He's he's just doing it, you know. But um, you know, he's working with Zealot Miniatures, who make amazing resin models. And it's like, okay, you know, he's actually on his second campaign now. He did the first one successfully, but you know, they know how to cast in resin, and and they're going to do it for him. He's going to have a good product. So I think you know a lot can be made up for just by partnering with someone who knows what they're doing. I mean, I've got this this mold guy who's just you know incredible, with thirty years experience, and uh, you know, he just tells me what to do. He said, go with Astol. And I looked into it a little bit. I was like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. So. Where do you where do you find people like that? Like, <laughs> like, like I just imagine like this old man just like working in his shop and just like, nah, you need acetal. <laughs> it's it's you, like the Josh of the future. It's like you you fool, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, molding is is kind of crazy because a lot of it. I mean, you can have people doing hardcore, you know, flow analysis and. Um, but then a lot of it is also just rule of thumb, a guy who's been doing it forever. And, um, yeah, I mean, most, most molded companies are going to have a guy like that. Um, who's, who's kind of calling the shots or, um, you know, giving the advice, you know, once you get through the salespeople and, and kind of talk to the person who knows what they're doing. So, um, so, so did you, yeah. did you find this like Mr. Miyagi character or like, did you know him for a while? And like, no, I found him through reaching out, um, to different companies and then, um, you know, oh, okay. We've probably, yeah. I now I've, he he's helping us on our next product too, and I just I'm in love with him, so I'm uh <laughs> I'm gonna keep him secret. But yeah, he's, he's no, yeah, for it. real. <laughs> I, I, like I, it's, <laughs> I just thought like maybe you put on Craigslist like <laughs> looking for a mold guy. Yeah, dude, dude, looking for a mold guy. Actually, you know, um, it's interesting because a lot of people don't. I um, my initial contacts were just through a really simple site called uh, mfg.com. Um, stands for manufacturing.com. I used it in a, my capacity as an engineer, and um, it's a really good first step just for getting some some basic contacts. Um, you will get like a thousand emails from 
Chinese companies that only speak Chinese and, you know, stuff like that. But, um, you know, you'll also find some really, you know, really uh, good gems in there. Um, another thing that I've used um, that I found really helpful is a site called upwork.com, um, upwork.com. And, uh, yeah, just, again, if you're just looking for, like, a basic artist and don't know where to start, I mean, you can get some really great commission people on there. And, um, you know, when you look at exchange rates, let's say a guy in, in Russia is is doing the art, I mean, you know, you can get a pretty good rate. So, yeah, I think there, I mean, there's a lot of things that I try to help other creators when they're first starting out because it is kind of daunting and, um, you know, you learn as you go. But, That's yeah, awesome. it's been a good experience. Pay somebody in rubles. <laughs> I was like, what is this, like 30, 35 cents for 12 hours of work? Perfect. That's oh that's God. the kind of artist I need. My my whole interpretation of, of Russian business is from the Saints, so <laughs> Yeah, that's all you need to know. Yeah, just go uh, from that. Yeah, actually come to think of it, we, we did have a, a an artist we were working with. Um during, I did a lot of the art um for for the, the mod cube designs um initially and then during the Kickstarter it was, you know, oh my gosh, we need to make twelve more sets in two weeks because we've unlocked all these stretch goals. And um yeah, we started working with another guy there and you know, come to think of it, I actually don't know exactly where he was located. It was all through, um, again, like a commission base. But, um, yeah, and he has great. He has no idea. Like, he has no clue what he did. Like, nah, some kid. Meh. <laughs> I, I, I sent him pictures. That he, he put it in his portfolio. So I don't know if he knows what they're for. I don't think he's a war gamer. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Borstev, tonight we eat. <laughs> <laughs> he has a terrible... <laughs> that's us and mother russia <laughs> that's, all I, that's all i think about yeah that's awesome dude that's like that like but yeah the, the, like just like you know I, i'm glad we kind of like spoke about how much work you actually like put in like because when i think kickstarter i think man they just get all this money and they just they just hit the ground and go but nope nope it's all work yeah it's, it's interesting I, i've kind of debated that before like how much to, to talk about it. I, I like to talk about it because I find it interesting for one, but I think it's kind of that question of like, do people want to know how the sausage is made, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, another term I, I use for it here is, you know, sweat equity. You know, we're just going to put put in as much time as we can to the mod cube and, and you know, the next things we're working on because, uh, you know, it'll grow the business and then hopefully that'll result in a better return later. But I mean, definitely like I have a young daughter now and, that resulted in lack of sleep, but even before that, you know, the mod cube, I, I think I was sleeping about half as much as I was before. I mean, it's just, there's a lot to do and, uh, it kind of never ends. So you got to build that, build that mod cube empire for her. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that's exactly a lot of people don't realize that it's just like any small business starting out, you know, you're going to have to put in the 14 hour days, the 16 hour days, right. You know, to make it, to, to take off, you know, to yep. make it something. And to be honest yeah. with you, man, like you did such a good job. Like I could, like if I didn't, like I didn't hear about the whole mod cube Kickstarter until after we were playing with the mob cubes, and I learned it's like, oh, this was a Kickstarter. Like to me, this was like you know something that like some company was putting out now. That was like I was like, man, this is like really solid. Like this is like a so good job to you, man. Like you would never know that's a guy named Steve. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I love hearing that, and that's you know. Obviously, we're 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 trying to take take things a step at a time and get more uh, more professional. We were talking just before the show, but our next big step is you know all these stores have been 
asking us, hey, can we sell these things? And uh, we're going to try to get some retail packaging together to actually put them on a shelf. Because, you know, it's the same thing. As I've looked at things in stores, I was like, wow, you know, we can put our, our cubes in that package. It, 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 could, it could sell just like anything else. So that's, that's our next big step to try to sell them in stores, not just on our own uh, website. Hasbro Hasbro's gonna pick y'all up. And then <laughs> then Wizard Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, Wizards. Man, that's gonna be crazy. Wow. That's awesome, being, man. Yeah, being Walmart. That's... Yeah. Sorry. I, I just said he's gonna be a Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. You, and, you never know. Well that that's the other thing, actually, just last thing on the, the whole sausage making. I mean, it's an interesting question because anybody you know, selling it, you know, not even that quantity, but any kind of quantity close to that, they're no longer able to make the stuff themselves, right? They're probably, you know, some factories making it somewhere. And we make all our tokens um, in-house right now, which is pretty cool because then, for one thing, we're able to have a lot of quality control. But for another, we're able to just say, oh, do we want to put out a new set for, you know, Age of Sigmar or something, you know, tomorrow? And we can do that because we're making it ourselves. So, it's kind of a we're kind of in a hybrid position because we had our cubes molded, you know, at a factory and made a huge bulk order, but still kind of produce the tokens ourselves. And um, even on what we're working on next, we're kind of trying to keep that balance where we'll do a fair amount of it in house because um, I, I think that's the quantity level we're at. You know, we can do it in house, but it also gives you more control um, over it, which is neat. That's fucking cool, dude. Like, that, yeah. That's cool that you can like pop out some custom cubes, like you can just get drunk one night and be like, I'm gonna go make some. Age of Sigmar cubes, and <laughs> I had a great idea. Just whip them out. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes you find uh, that the output is, is not quite as awesome as you thought. But again, that's the benefit of doing it in house, you know. Yeah, exactly. Up, oh, put it in the shame bin. Put it, in the sh- <laughs> put it in the shame bin. There is there is a bin here. Actually, I was I was I'm trying to clean up, and yeah, it was, it's about a foot deep. This this little box I've got just full of discarded especially when we're first making a new set sometimes they're like oh you know i wanted the line to be thicker or i wanted to be more legible or it's too close to the side and uh so yeah all those go in the bin dude you better be careful man like you you mentioned something like that you're gonna get all sorts of emails like i'll take what's in the bin i'll take (laughs) i'll take all the discarded (laughs) no i thought about that i mean we we cut like i don't know you know full sheet we had like 15 sets of vehicle tokens and somehow we had left off the jink token i was like oh you know could i to put these on like the the second class uh thing with, with no jink but then i mean sometimes it's just it's just easier to just cut a new set and kind of start over so yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get emails i never jink send them to me <laughs> send them my I, way i have no jink my army play, is all sakarans there's no jinking uh, <laughs> play death guard yeah i'll, I'll, take, make, I'll take them <laughs> i'll make a deal if anyone if anyone's local they can come by and they can they can rummage through the bin uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think other than that, it's uh, it's 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 almost like uh, it, well, it's the same thing, right? We've got 80, 80 tokens in each set, and sometimes it's like if you're sorting them and you drop drop a token, it's like you know, do you, is it really worth finding that token and, and trying to put it back <laughs> in, or is it just worth just you know Cutting. starting over? And yeah, it, it, it's a weird balancing act. You, you do the math on and how much did the acrylic cost here, and, and how much time was it? Uh, it's just, yeah, sometimes it's, it's shameful, but it's, it's just easier to start over. I just, I just picture you looking at the ground like, <laughs> oh man, it, it rolled right under the cutter. <laughs> well, see, I nah. just have this mental image of TFL guys who go to Nova thinking, 
I remember Steve said we could just stop by and dig in the bin. <laughs> and he's got these dudes just knocking on his door one night. Yeah. We're from Wake Texas. It. Yeah. Waking up your 18-eight-month-old 18, 18 there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll bring the uh, bottle supply bill, but don't worry. <laughs> Just give us your key. <laughs> yeah, thankfully we, we finally got a separate uh, a separate space for cutting. Uh, yeah, don't definitely don't want to wake anybody up. That's uh, that's that's territory you don't want to tread in here. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, man, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I guess, man, like, really, I think we're we're going on a, a pretty good minute here. Uh, anything you want to like? Any last things? You know, where where can people find your mod cube? So yeah, they just get them at modcube.com. Um, I think it it's still. I, I gotta get a computer guy to help me. I think it still kind of gives an error if you're on a phone, but if you're on a PC, modcube.com works great. You can see everything we've got there. We've got a custom custom page and uh you know if you've got any questions people can just email info at modcube.com um and yeah we've, we've got it all on there and then we'll be at uh nova open we were just at adepticon and uh i think you guys will be uh you know using our stuff at the alamo which is awesome definitely, definitely. so yeah just keep an eye out check them out in person and then uh you know go on the website and and uh, if you like them, you know you can order a set. We got we have a discount if people order like two sets, you get a discount. Covers uh, makes it free shipping basically. Um, so yeah, check it out. Oh, cool! Free shipping. And how would like you said like pretty much custom offers were were always you just do you send that like just the info at ModCube and then they can like try and send you like what what all do they have to have to like make a legit custom order? Yeah, there's a nice like instruction sheet on the website. Um, it kind of shows the grid we use to cut and uh, a website that we recommend where there's like free art that you can use that doesn't have any rights on it. Um, and uh, you can just lay out your art into the grid because it's kind of a lot of work to lay out a custom set. We actually don't charge more for it. It's the same price. It's just, you know, you kind of have to do the legwork and then, yeah, we do go back and forth through email uh, that same email info at modcube.com um, to kind of, if we think there's any issues that might arise uh, when we're cutting it, we're actually about to do a whole bunch of custom sets um, over the next few days that we kind of had a backlog from Adepticon, um, and hopefully we'll be putting up some pictures of those. Oh, so, so on your website, you got like current stuff that you've been working on and all that jazz. Yeah, there's a there's like a little tab at the bottom that shows um, kind of like the latest news right now. I think it just says, "Hey, we're offering custom sets," and it shows the first custom set we did. So um, we're going to try to show like the next few that we've we've made. Hopefully, like there's like a BFG set we're working on. Um, and then a few others, um, one for Guild Ball, uh, things like that. That's super cool, nice. man. That's super cool. I like really, I, I'm just going to have to put it out there. I, I challenge anybody to just like send the weirdest shit in. Like, I want him, I, I want Steve to be like, no, nah, we can't do that. I, he, he needs it. He needs it to happen to him. I, I don't know what, I don't know the kingdom of death game, but I know the models are kind of a little bit out there. So that, that might be something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that, that's a good point. We, we do try to keep PG thirteen. Haven't had any uh, anything out there yet. So uh, I challenge yeah. y'all. I challenge y'all out there. <laughs> Make them yeah, do we, it. We apologize in advance, Steve. <laughs> you brought this oh, on yourself. You. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. man, Steve, I appreciate having you on, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on. I hope that uh, I, everybody out there that's like listening to this, go check out modcube.com. 
some of the cool stuff. And if you're listening to this and you're going to Alamo uh, in May 21st, you'll get to check it out in person and you're going to love it. You're going to love Well, if you're on the horse heresy track, if you're just going to Alamo, you'll have to come to our side of the, our side of the, uh, the venue to come see them. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a uh, set out that you can play with and look at. Yeah. You come check it out. Um, not only will you be able to see the horse heresy sets in play, but uh, ModCube has generous, generously donated uh, different sets for prize support. So if you're playing the Horse Heresy track, you could possibly win some ModCube prizes. So something to think about. So lucky. You're so lucky. We're so good to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ModCube is so good to you guys. I'm going to put that out there. Yeah, ModCube's good to you guys. Yeah, I mean, definitely check them out in person if you can. I think... That's something that we saw at Adepticon was, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, I saw it on the website, couldn't quite figure it out. And, man, in person, sometimes it just clicks. And especially the uh, the Horse Heresy set, I mean, we got some really great feedback on that. Uh, we don't actually sell that set because um, it does have some icons that are not really something we want to be selling. But um, it's really cool to see, and I think it's going to be awesome um, at you guys' events. So people should definitely look for those. Yeah, come check it out. Definitely. Tony, if it, if it doesn't click when you go to modcube.com, come check it out or find somebody that has a set and it'll make sense. Like that. Yeah. I, w- I was in the exact same boat. Like it, it didn't make sense until I rolled the dice and like, it was like this epiphany moment and it was probably the most brilliant idea I've ever got to play with in any sort of 40 K or 30 gig game in my life. <laughs> yeah. Good, good job. Steve. All the way around. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for coming on Steve. Appreciate it, man. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, and so we're going to go ahead and close out on that one. We'll leave you with some uh, sweet, sweet sounds of uh, Laban's feet.
without you.